Inside Dirt Show, episode number seven. This is uh, Monday, 6th of May, and we are back, everyone. Joe Stevens hosting this gig as usual. I'm joined by Duran Stapleton in the house. How are we doing, Duran? Pretty good to be be. We've um, had a pretty big weekend. Well, you've had a big weekend at, at the races. Um, very big weekend watching NRG. Very big weekend. Doubleheader. That pretty much means me being locked in a light-proof, soundproof room for the best part of uh, eight hours a day watching the TV screen. I think it's almost, it's a lot of racing. It's, um, I guess, uh, especially with the, the back-to-backs in the morning on, on, I guess, separate days for the classes, but a lot of racing for the guys. And I think you saw after that uh, final motor of the 450s that those guys were absolutely spent. They left everything out there. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of track time. That track took a beating. I mean, a lot of gate drops. I haven't actually done the math on how many laps that track would have had run through it. But, um, man, it would have been a lot of laps. I thought it held up pretty good, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, big weekend. I'm still trying to get my brain back together after the, we were over there for three days. Also, the man to my right here producing the show, Donnell. He's got a microphone this week, guys. So uh, you're going to hear him be able to defend himself for once. So what's up, Donnell? I'm here. This is, uh, it's good to hear my own voice through my headphones for once. So yeah, know, sick I, of listening to you too. I'd be sick of us too at this point. I mean, you get to listen to me literally all weekend um, when we do the NRG TV show. Yeah, and you, then, and you and Aiden Williams all weekend. It's a fun time for me, especially over a doubleheader. Yeah, too much Aiden can be bad. <laughs> I think um, everyone wa- wanted to kill Aiden after that uh, oh. drop of the Supercross uh, results on NRG. I nearly wanted to fly kick him in the back of the head. I, I looked over at Aiden, and I know he's going to hear this at some point, and I was just like, you know the jaw hit the floor type <laughs> deal? I was just like, you just said that. I feel like he got really excited because it was a pretty big deal that um, Cincerello uh, shit the bed and threw it away, I guess. But uh, he just wanted to put it out there and tell everyone, and I guess... Yeah, yeah, I was just spoiler like, alert. spoiler alert, you got to throw it out there before you say that. And he's like, oh, but somehow out of the two days of streaming we were over there, I missed that line, which was great for me because that was the only thing I didn't want to hear about. Yeah, we got to watch it at the, uh, we actually watched it on the flight home. Yeah, $11 in flight Wi-Fi, you're welcome. Yeah, it was a good investment. We got to watch the Cirillo. Um, What's your opinion on that, Duran? Before we get into the Murray Bridge review and talk about uh, everything that went down at rounds four and five of the MX Nationals, you, it's an Australian show, but we got to talk about Vegas, man. What what happened to Cincerillo? It's just one of those things, I guess. For him, everyone thought this year uh, that he'd sort of got rid of those mistakes. And we saw it a few times, even I think it was at Anaheim too, in the uh, triple uh, yeah, the format. The triple he, header, yeah. Yeah, he had that throwaway race. And then he also uh, tucked the front that weekend. So because it was a... Triple Crown, he, he sort of got away with that one. And then the other round he had that was really bad was the other Triple Crown in Houston. So True. Uh, he got away with those sort of mistakes this year and then I guess, guess it finally bit him. And um, It's a tough one because obviously his whole life has been built up. They call him Baby Jesus for a reason. He's um, He's been sort of touted as the guy to get Sweet it Sweet Baby Jesus. And he hasn't been able to. But if you think about it uh, with Ferrandis, 
he would have been in a lot better position if he hadn't had the uh, mechanical at San Diego. So as much as everyone's saying that he sort of got it because since really threw it away, he actually would have been in a lot better position if he hadn't had that bike problem. No, Ferrandez won that by winning that race the way he did. Like He put the pressure on Adam, and even though I think Adam was in a position on the racetrack where he knew he had the title done, I think it flustered him that um, Ferrandez went out and just checked out like that. And Well, with, with it being a shootout... Um, it's kind of takes the um, gusto away from Sexton also being... Dude, they didn't talk about Sexton like no. at all. It was like when the race finished, like, oh, by the way, he's coach champ, Sexton. Did you see on the telecast um, Sexton's misses after the race? She I know you would have. She's a smoke show. <laughs> she is so hot. I did not know that. So that was a nice one. That was what I took out of it. It was encouraging for you to see that? They should definitely get uh, an interview with her at the press conference and not... <laughs> No one gives us stuff what sex is that to say. It's nice to see his hard work's paying off on and off the track. I guess, how would you feel if you were um, Peyton? You'd want to uh, get up and hit the guys fly kicking in the back of the <laughs> Yeah, I you mean... You would have stepped out of that wheelchair and <laughs> said, I don't want to go too much more with that. No, but he... <laughs> I'm not having another meltdown like last week, so let's get into what's coming up on the show tonight. Um, right. We have got Jaden Rikers coming on the show, guys. He's going to be up real soon. Rikers really, I think, had a career day as far as um, how things went at Murray Bridge, especially at round four on Saturday. Duran Rikers went 3-5, and he, he really stepped up, and I'd call that a career day. You know, It's something he can really kickstart the rest of the season with. So we're going to get Rikers on in just a minute to talk about that. Um, we've got Kyle Webster coming on now. Webster, that's got to be another career weekend for him, Duran. That, that was impressive. You know, Webster won excuse me, won both overalls uh, and won a lot of races over the two days of racing at Murray Bridge. Now, Webster's flying right now, guys. He's landing sometime soon. Um, I guess he flew out of Murray Bridge today. So we don't exactly know what time we're going to get him on. Uh, he's going to text us in a little bit when he lands. And we're going to hit him up and get him on the show. And we've also got uh, Brody Ellis out of Tasmania. Brody's one of the um, MXD sort of Yamaha supported privateers. Uh, he had a really good ride in that first moto, ended up second in the first MXD moto on Saturday. So we're going to get Ellis on all the way from sunny Tasmania to talk about how his season's been going and that breakout ride. And in between that, me and Duran are going to talk a little bit about the results over two days and try to remember everything that happened because it was a lot. Um, but yeah, right now, we are going to get right into it. And uh, in a minute, we will have Rikers on the line. So, um, Duran, we talked about it before. Uh, the show, Murray Bridge, track was reversed, track was different. Well, kind of different, well, definitely reversed. We were talking about it just before and... Um, I think it was it was uh, Jade Oates on the show last week, and he said it was a completely new track. And uh, I don't know if he had been told, uh, I guess, false information, but uh, the track was exactly the same except reversed. So uh, I'm not sure when they, uh, you know, thought of that one up, whose idea that was, but it seemed to work pretty well. The track flowed well, and well, you know, what wasn't the same was the start. That start was the gnarliest start I've seen in a long... Like, since Ranch MX um, last year. Um, you know, like, Conondale's got that kind of gnarly right-handed natural terrain first turn, but it's slow. Like, it's not that high speed. Um, but, man, that start at Murray Bridge, like, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this was correct, but Aiden did say that, um, that uh, Lawson Bopping's uh, Lipro had him at 90-something K an hour on that start straight. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, I think in America when I had Lipper on, 
uh, we were hitting 60 miles an hour, so it's about 100 kilometers. Yeah. So, yeah, wouldn't doubt that, especially in the 450 class. But every time I see a, um, a right-hand first turn, I think they got away with it because it wasn't really uh, – it was kind of like a sweeper. It wasn't really a turn at all, almost. It was just sort of gradual. But every time there's a right-hand turn, you don't have the rear brake. It's so just it it's not a problem. it's not a good thing when you're going that fast and there's no rear brake access because that instant reaction if someone steps out in front of you to maybe just take the sting out of it with the rear brakes gone. Um, and there was a couple of big crashes. You know, we had uh, Waters and Cloudy get together with Dobson in MX1 on Saturday at round four, and we had um, was it Cody Dice? Yeah, Dicey. I think might have been involved in one. What was the other big? Mason Simmons had a big one at the end of the rollers. Nah, but the first turn, there was MX2 first turn crash as well, wasn't there? No? Who knows? Am I, am I, I, mean, I was there. We probably should know. I guess I wasn't, so I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> tapping out on that one. But the the fact that it was a right-hand turn, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't, you know, if I was designing a track, I probably wouldn't put that in. But it seemed like the rest of the track did flow nice, and I guess they all they really had to do was... Uh, turn the lips around because it didn't really seem no, like a new track to me. I kind of felt like it – I think the track worked better that way, honestly. Um, but we'll get some opinions of the riders and what they thought as the show goes on. Um, the the crash that I'm talking about, though, was the first turn, and we can ask Rikers in a second if he saw it or not. But uh, I think Dobson hit Cloudy so hard that it blew the, the wheel bearings out of his rear, rear wheel pretty much. Um, pretty impressive. Yeah, not not for Cloudy's ankle, but he definitely went down. I think Waters was involved too. We'll get to that, but um, that's what we said uh, coming in, guys. So we've got uh, Jaden Rikers on the line right now. Welcome to the show. He had a pretty career standout worthy day at round four. Jaden, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having the time um, to put me on the show. Yeah, I know you busted my balls pretty hard after the uh, preview show for the series. Uh, when I saw you at round one, you said, oh, didn't even mention me on the show, mate, you know, and um, and I was like, that's right, I didn't. But to be fair, you weren't on the entry list, so that was my defense. Yeah, I had a bit of a late entry, obviously, with uh, my plans into this season were kind of a little bit up in the air until uh, a couple of weeks before, so we were on the back foot there, and yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think many people kind of put me in that top 10 on the radar with the last two years that I've had anyway. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we'll get to that in a minute because it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster for you. Um, we've got Duran Stapleton here as always. He'll be chiming in with some questions as we go on, mate. But um, before we backtrack and talk about how you got to the privateer program you're on this year and how the last few seasons have been, Mate, talk about uh, Saturday because you just came out of not nowhere. I guess you've been building to it, but... Um, Really good starts, really good track position. Third in Moto One, fifth in Moto Two, fourth overall. Like that's a that's a massive day for you in MX One, Jaden. So, um, were you just feeling it, or where, where did that come from? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit hard to say. Obviously, um, at One Thaggy, I had an awesome result as well. I went a four five. Um, just unfortunate with uh, a flag incident that I got penalised the ten positions. And that put me 14-5 for the day. So I guess that kind of got overseen. Um, but, yeah, Saturday I had a, a P3 in Moto1. And um, I guess that there's just a little bit of a difference between the, the third and fourth. It seems to be like a little bit more of an accomplishment. And I have uh, seen didn't even ride the week prior to, to, Murray, to Murray Bridge um, since one Hill State titles as well. So... I guess maybe um, a little bit of time off. I come out refreshed for the double header, and I seem to uh, seem to do 
do quite well. You've definitely been doing a lot of racing lately. I saw you was at opening the opening round of the Vic titles a few weeks back at um, Karambara, and then you were at um, Swan Hill uh, in between the two national rounds. And um, I know you were battling pretty hard with Erky Caro at those events, and you were actually getting getting the job done beating him there. So um, I guess it's well and truly say, you know, round five of the nationals is over. You've had two state rounds and preseason stuff. You know, you're well and truly into your program by now at this point. Yeah, I think that's something that I lacked in the past couple of years. Um, being full-time, obviously that's kind of all I was doing and all I was thinking about. But at the same time, to go and earn a wage, that was my weekend's racing. So um, a lot of pressure was coming from kind of going to race day and going, all right, we've got to, got to make a living and got to get by week to week. So this year to be able to financially um, make it viable to do some state titles and some preseason races has definitely paid dividends. And um, I think after Erky kind of was in that top three um, in Moto1 and got on the podium for that, that round at one Thaggy, I come out swinging the following two weekends and, beat him at the state title straight up. Um, I think that gave me a lot of confidence as well. And I think it's kind of been a little bit of a build up until uh, Myra Bridge where it's kind of all started to unfold and um, I've been out the front a little bit more. So I'm just looking at the championship uh, standings right now and and you're sitting only three points behind your teammate Justin Rodball in fifth. Uh, just explain that. The team's gone quite well. And uh, are you actually completely on that team or you got a side deal or, or what's the go with that? Just explain to the listeners uh, what your program is this year. Yeah, so I, I guess you pointing out, moved into fifth um, in the championship over the weekend, which is pretty crazy considering I got a 16th at Appen, which was the opening round, and then uh, got docked them 11 points at, at one Thaggy. So um, if all went well, then I'll be a little bit further up. But um, to kind of give everyone a... A little bit of a rundown on the on the program because it's a little bit confusing for um for everyone out there. I guess they're kind of putting the pieces to the puzzle, but um, even for me doing I, NRG TV is like it's KSF with Berner Suzuki, SPMX. Like there's a lot of different people helping you. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a few different puzzles, and I've pieced it all together, and it's and it's worked. So um, obviously the plan was to continue or to ride. After the KSF tryouts, I, I missed out on them kind of main opportunities. Um, Suzuki said, look, we're willing to uh, help you with some bikes. And uh, we've got an awesome dealership down in Seaford, which is only 20 minutes for me. And um, that's where I met Adam Berner, the owner. And he come from a racing background himself. And he's he's all in. Um, once he's seen, I was all in as well. So. I get my bike through Adam Burner. He does the mechanical work. And then KSF uh, helped me with uh, more so travel allowances, like paying for me to get to the rounds for flights and accommodation and things like that. Um, then again, SB Motorsports transports my bikes to the events. And um, obviously, Steve Powell from SPMX has a big role in uh, getting my bike ready with a suspension um, as his dealership runs out the back of, of Burner's motorcycles as well. So I guess it's, I've got three or four kind of main guys that all have different roles. And um, like I said, it's a mixed puzzle, but it's it's all pieced together and it's working. Yeah, well, that is a – I've never actually quite got your whole um, program breakdown until just then because I'm super tight with Pally at SPMX and, um, and Scotty at uh, SB Motorsports and – 
and yeah, the KSF guys, they're always good for, um, they're good for some banter as well. But yeah, there you go. You've got a lot of good people in your corner and, um, teaming up to really help you there. That's, that's good to see, mate. It's, it's what, um, it's what this sport's all about at the end of the day. Now, I guess the next question is going to be, Jaden, you know, you've, you've come off of, um, you know, you call it a team ride. You had the race line deal last year in, in MX2, um, Clearly, this is working for you this year. You know, you've got a, I guess you call it a no-pressure or a low-pressure environment. You, you're picking the, the people you want to work with and you've got some good help there and it's all come together. Um, obviously, you're having fun with it this year. So what's um, what's really clicking for you as far as, say, the major difference between this year and the last couple of years? I mean, getting on the big bike as well. Talk about the transition to MX1. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about how them kind of last two years unfolded we had some some good results with some podiums and then we had some downtimes as well but I think it came down a lot to how my financial situation was because this year the only thing that I've really changed is I've not in a sense put less effort in but I haven't had as much time to be able to focus on riding I've been working a full-time job and um, thanks to CSA uh, specialized services you know they've given me the flexibility to kind of working with what I want to do with motocross at the same time but I've put a big factor back to financially not stressing over over money really and knowing I'm gonna have a income no matter uh if I win a race or if I get last with DNF yeah I think that's that's taken a lot of pressure off my back it's something people really overlook as far as like you said uh, earlier that that kind of resonated a little bit there that is something people don't think about like you're on a team wage and maybe you get um whatever it is, you know, most MX2 guys are signing on, you know, 20, 30, whatever it is, um, as a base. And you break that down, it's like 500 bucks a week, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then you're talking about going to race a state title and you go, okay, well, that's my salary for the week. And then if I go race, I've got to spend my salary going racing. Um, it's not a very appealing business uh, model, is it? <laughs> no, exactly right. You look at the, the situation with the motocross industry at the same time, like, I had a year, that first year where I got one podium, so I got cut back after that and then didn't provide results again. So um, to kind of be living off a shoestring budget is is hard, and it's it's hard in, with living with parents. So I'm in Victoria, right? Me and my girlfriend, um, I, I'm spending 20 grand a year just on rent, let alone yeah, food and bills else, and everything just... on top of that. So, well, yeah, this um, area of Victoria is probably, I mean, it's not city rates for rent, but it's, you know, 400 bucks a week isn't going to get you much more than a three-bedroom shoebox, really. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So, you're obviously, you're from Western Australia, you're from WA, um, and you've ended up over here on, um, you know, for the last two or three years you've been living here now. I see you travel back to WA on and off for uh, some coaching schools that you run over there, which you can um, you can plug that out too if you want to and, and talk about those. But, um, yeah, how, how's it living over here away from family? You're still pretty young. Like, uh, is it just purely logistics to race over here? It's easier to be based over here on the East Coast? Yeah, I guess the opportunity is um, to progress quicker over in on the Eastern States is – it's higher. Obviously, the quality of tracks um, is is pretty minimal. I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit hard. You got some full time facilities in in Melbourne and on the east coast, and then in Perth, you kind of just got your your clubs and everyone's volunteering over there. So it's kind of a weekend job for them. Um, not to say that we don't have some good quality riders coming out of WA, but 
you see majority of them are on the east coast now so i'd put it down to just the quality of riding um is what made my decision to come to melbourne um getting back to kind of the coaching side of things that's something that i wanted to i've been into for the last couple of years but i haven't really publicized it um this year i'm going to start to push it a little bit more um run it under a actually run it as a business and try to do it in a professional sense um and that's gonna that's that's important for me with just a, what wa is so far out of the way and a lot of them guys don't have the money to go to your national rounds and things like that so to be able to take back what i'm learning on the east coast tracks and and give that to them um they're all appreciated and i have fun doing it at the same time so it's good for me to get back and see family and and catch up with a few friends in in the meantime as well yeah for sure it's a good balancing act now um it's, it's funny you're talking about you're working right now for the csa specialized um organization uh, company whatever you want to call it and uh, that that's actually the um the hellier family that own that company that also run the empire kawasaki racing team um so that's another connection to the mx nationals that you got helping you out there so you've got a lot of different um a lot of different avenues of, of people in the pits helping you. It's a really cool story. I think that maybe speaks volumes to um, to you as a person, mate. Like, I'm not trying to pump your tires up too much, but obviously everyone's getting behind you. They see something in you, and they're, they're definitely, um, you know, they're definitely rallying around you to, to show your true potential, which I think we're finally starting to see. Yes, I it was back in September. I was having a talk to Tyson Cherry, and I was just like, man, I need kind of need some work, and um at that point, it was, like I said, more of a financial state on not competing Supercross. So I went to work and uh, the boys at CSA gave me a job. And from there, I've just been, um, yeah, doing week to week. And like to give you guys a little bit of an insight on even like today, like yesterday, we left Murray Bridge 3.30, drove the eight hours, got home 1.30, asleep by 2.30, up at 4.30, work today and pick the bikes up and then it's do it all over again tomorrow so uh, you know what it's it's bloody hard but um yeah it'll be all worthwhile and in the long run I, I look at it that way obviously it's been a hard two years but you know point in giving up when I've you know dropped my things in Perth to come over here and like my partner Amy she's moved over from Perth as well so I guess uh, it's all in otherwise we just pack up and kind of go back to Perth so what do you actually do for CSA so CSA, there's a kind of few jobs. Um, majority of it is non-destructive digging. So like we locate gas, um, water, water services. We do dewatering, drain cleaning. Um, they do a fair bit of civil work. So uh, yeah, anything that kind of, because obviously with, um, with all your underground power, we've got the metro train line. So we've got a fair bit on at the moment. Um, so that's just a little bit of a description of kind of what we do. That's um, that's a pretty gnarly workload there, mate. And uh, I'm not saying that motocrossers aren't the smartest people in the box, but, um, geez, we've got a few moto guys working for CSA now, so they might want to check some of them uh, civil work sites and making sure they're not digging the wrong holes or something. But, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm sure they, they run a professional ship. I'm, I'm just joking around. But, um, hey, one question I've got for you. Um, so... You had a lot of success on the 252 stroke between like MXD and, you know, MX2. Your first year, you're on 250, right? Um, was that right? In the first year of MX2, you're on 252 stroke? Yeah. I, no, first year of MXD, I was on a four stroke. I finished fifth in the championship. And then that following year, 
is the year that I moved to the two-stroke and uh, Wilson Todd and I were going uh, bar to bar. So that was, I think, 2015. Yeah, 15. So I, I always remember you riding that 250 really well, um, the two-stroke that is. So I, I, I kind of likened it to you know, watching you ride the 450 now and watching you ride it really well, like you, you're obviously fit, you're in shape, you're a strong rider. Um, do you feel like there's a correlation between how well you rode the two-stroke as a bigger motor and how well you ride the 450? Like you, you're just maybe as a rider better accustomed to riding a bike with more horsepower? Yeah, I think I think that does translate quite, quite well from the two-stroke to the 450. Obviously, you know, I kind of wanted to prove myself on the four-stroke and I, and I did give crap for them them two years i think being in perth obviously i don't know we didn't get much riding time in so when i moved to melbourne i focused majority of my time on on my technique and i think that seems to play into the bikes with a little bit more power and um i think that seems to be seems to be shining and and then boys in the 250 class um everything you know everything's got to be exactly right on but in saying that the low pressure situation that i had with the two-stroke days and um at the time i was living with darren lee from from track ride suspension and loosely a lot of you guys might know them and um it was just a cool cool little setup that we had going on no pressure i just rode my bike and worked a part-time job and i guess there's a few similarities there yeah, definitely seems like uh, that, and and that that environment works for a lot of riders. It's not just yourself. Um, and yeah, to talk about what you just touched on there, I, I definitely agree. You know, I saw you at um, I've seen you at the ride parks a lot over the last couple of years, especially last year when you were on the two fifty for Raceline, and you know, I'd be coaching my guys. I'd watch you out there doing your warm up laps or whatever it was, and you'd be doing you know, X amount of laps feet on pegs, you'd be doing X amount of lap. I could see you'd have no clutch laps. We'd have that close grip on the left hand and you were always working on something to make you a, a better and more rounded rider technically. And, um, you know, as a coach myself and, and for all the youngsters that are listening to this, I think everyone worries about how, uh, no, they worry about going fast and they don't think about how to go fast, you know? Um, and obviously you, you have that coach technical mentality cause you're working with kids over in WA now too. And, um, you know, clearly, like you say, when, when, when you're on the 250, you know, you can kind of hit it and hope a little bit more and hold it wide open, get a good start, and um, that bike won't bite back as much. But clearly, stepping onto the bigger bike with good technique that you have, it, it's working for you. And, um, yeah, I think that building you just talked about there over the last couple of years, trying to make yourself a better rider, is definitely paying off now. Yeah, I think that falls back to kind of the one step back to – go two steps forward i think that might have played a little bit um with how i was kind of i guess honing my technique or kind of building my own own kind of little style so um yeah maybe it's always a always it was worthwhile kind of ball yeah. in motion but yeah like a rolling ball in motion that's kind of taken a little bit of time to build some speed so i don't want to put you on the spot now but but I'm going to. Yeah, but I'm going to. So in uh, those motos, especially on the uh, Sunday, you got quite good starts and it seemed like for the first few laps you were quite comfortable at running that pace and uh, then you sort of drifted back a little bit before you sort of regrouped towards the end of the moto. Uh, do you think coming into this second half of the year you're going to uh, really be able to push for the whole moto up that front, up the front or was there just a little bit of a lull 
in the uh, in the motos on the weekend because it seemed like you were really comfortable up front with those uh, top guys in the beginning of the motos. Yeah, I was definitely comfortable on the on the first two days within that first fifteen. Um, them sprint motos, I know my sprint speed is is a little bit off at the moment, um, and I, I I know there's a bit of time to gain there with with fitness and and a little bit of bike time as well. So put me on the spot, but um, like <laughs> he's yeah, good like that. But, uh, like I I tried to run them exact same lines as I was. I was running on on the Saturday, and I just ended up in in the rough kind of in the bumps that were already formed up because they only kind of graded some of the corners and left the majority of the track pretty rough. So I tried to run them same lines for both of them sprint races, and obviously that didn't work because I ended up back in sixth and seventh. And um, you know, same scenario for the first fifteen minutes of that second race. Like I was back in fourteenth until until lap eight, and then from there on, I'd I started to search a little bit and, and clicked on some onto some lines and dropped three seconds. I was running the times of the front guys and got back up to seventh. But um, I said that before, like after after Brawford's back-to-backs, I knew I needed to work on my sprints. Um, and insane between Brawford and, and Murray Bridge, I rode twice. Um, so it wasn't that much time, but put me on the spot. I definitely um, didn't handle them first two sprints well because I had really good track position at the same time. And, um, I think that's a little bit of a mistake on myself, if I'm being honest as well, because obviously I ran that speed for the for the first 15 easy in the, in the third opening easy, motor yeah. on the Saturday. And then when I got the start, I was like, all right, I'm meant to be here. Let's do this. And then a few of the boys got past me and I was like, struggled to regroup. And then it was like all over. So, um I was just yeah. curious because I guess in the years past, uh, you've always been known as uh, one of the fitter guys out there. And I was just wondering, you know, with the working this year and, and stuff like that, whether the bike time wasn't quite as much as normal. But, uh, yeah, I was just sort of curious on, on whether your fitness uh, may lack a little bit this year compared to years past because you've been, you know, known for being one of the fitter guys at the end of the motos. Yeah, and obviously the the fitness is still there for the duration of the motors but like with with work and with the amount of time that i kind of put in is we're working on on majority of our days 12 hour days so come home i train in the mornings a little bit um i'm lacking in that area i can be a lot fitter i've been fitter i know what i need to do to get there but you're exactly right like well, let's not, not beat yourself up too much. Like, no. it's your rookie year in MX1. Like, I think Duran's getting a bit... <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. no, I wasn't, but I was no. just really curious to that because in years past, I think anyone would say that... Well, it's Jay a bit of a, a, fitter, a fitter role rider. reversal too because, you know, te- technically as a rookie, you know, maybe people would say, okay, you should be fast in the back-to-backs with the sprint because you don't have the endurance. Um, but it kind of played out the other way where you had your better day on Saturday with the traditional format with the longer races. Um so let's talk about that before we finish up here, Jaden. So I can't remember what race it was because your class had five races like MX2. And honestly, I'm, I've got scrambled eggs in my brain right now after calling the action on NLG TV for two days. But you were battling with Ferris pretty hard in one of those motos on Saturday. What moto was that? Um, I well, not a battle, but was, you were... Was it Sunday? I don't think it was the Saturday. It was the Sunday. Donnell, help me out. It was a so, Sunday, uh, Sunday second motor. I believe I spoke to you at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Ferris, Ferris come down in the first sprint, 
and picked it up just before I got around him. And then the second sprint, he fell and I passed him. And um, I think he was stalking me for five or six laps. Yeah, um, that's so right. He was second, sitting yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. So I got that wrong. It was on the Sunday. Um, but talk about this for me. Um, you know, like MX2 last year didn't go particularly well for you. Did you get a podium at all last year? I don't think. No, I didn't. No. All right. Not so... Well. Not the biggest year as far as results go, but what I'm getting at is this. You go from maybe not the best year last year to then this year you're, you know, you're third and fifth. I think you actually tied for third overall maybe on the Saturday, but you got fourth. So, you know, killing it. And then you're battling with like literally the fastest guy in the country for the last three years who's going to, you know, hopefully be back on the world stage very soon. Was it a little surreal to see your pit board saying Ferris is behind you and, and battling with that caliber of rider? Like, is it a bit of a head trip for you still or are you pretty confident you belong there now? I wouldn't say it was a bit of a head trip um, in that second sprint race on the Sunday. Um, I didn't really pay too much attention to Ferris being behind me. It's just kind of a just racing another forward. Noise, another, yeah. yeah, another white noise behind me, and I'm just kind of racing forward. At that point, I was trying to get uh, Rod Bell. I was probably more for the opening laps of that first moto. I was three, four laps in. I'm like maintaining this gap. To Ferris, I can see him. I don't feel like I'm riding over the edge, and um, that was pro- probably more of a bit of an eye opener. And just following him, a few different things that he does, it's good to be up front and be able to see what he does. And then once Gibbsy uh, got past me, I was like, "Yeah, they're going to come," and I'm kind of going to drop the anchor here. But that didn't that didn't happen. I think after that, I kind of um, knew I belonged there, and being with yeah, just Ferris has got so much experience and just the little fine details that he does different to everyone. I think um, that's where he gets the three championships from. So, I mean, you're um, only going to learn yeah. from being around that caliber of rider as well, you know, um, which is going to be massive for you long-term in your career. But, um, hey, Jaden, we've got to run, mate. We've got some other guests we've got to fit on and um, and we've got to do some uh, serious talking about the results as well, mate. But, hey, thanks very much for coming on the show. Congratulations on that uh, result over the weekend. Really good to see you finally showing that um, potential and results that we all know you're capable of. And um, I was wrong, man. I didn't put you on the preseason picks, and you definitely um, definitely proved me wrong there. So that's awesome, mate. But, um, hey, thanks for coming on, and um, I'll see you uh, – I'm sure I'll see you around at the tracks or at uh, Burners or something before the second half of the uh, MX Nationals. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'm sure you guys will uh, see the better side of me with these next five rounds coming up. So easy, mate. All right, thanks a lot, man. Catch you soon. Cheers. See you, boys. All right, Duran. Dude, I put my foot in it with that in the middle of that interview, but it was nice to see that he was honest. You're pretty good at putting, doing that. <laughs> but I just was curious because uh, whenever I raced uh, Jaden, uh, you just knew he was going to be one of the dudes at the end of the motos that was quite strong. Yeah, you would have raced him actually over the last few seasons, hey? Yeah. So when you weren't injured. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I always thought he was one of the fitter dudes and uh, just curious because he did, uh, you know, make his way back to sort of that 6th, 7th on the Sunday racing um, when he did look quite comfortable uh, towards the beginning of those motos. So I guess for him, you know, he's spent, uh, by the end of this series, uh, spending all that time on the 450, he could be one of those guys that... He did tie for a uh, third overall on the weekend on that day. So I think he did. Don't quote me on that, but I think I he think did. I think he did, yeah. So yeah. it uh, won't be surprising if he does end up on the podium uh, in one of these rounds by the end of the year. And if you told me that he was running fifth and the mid- midway point in the season, 
uh, I wouldn't have believed that, especially with Rodbell. You and just said a, we were out to lunch on that. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's talk about MX1 now because I'm, I'm trying to get Webster on the phone, but I think he hasn't landed yet. Um, he might have been delayed or something, but uh, we'll get him on at some point here in a minute. So let's talk about MX1, Duran. Biggest news, um, probably got to be Kurt Gibbs crashing out of contention and DNFing uh, on the final moto on Saturday. So moto number two. So for those of you that didn't watch NRG TV, and you probably wouldn't be aware of this either, Duran, but obviously Gibbsy crashed going around the mechanics area. Um, that was just a small slide out. No big deal. Got back up. So I think it was a lap or two later um, from what I heard in the pits that he um, – the, the big rollers rhythm section down the back hill, I guess someone crashed. Uh, maybe Mitch Norris. Don't quote me on that either, but – I think that was the go. So I think Norris's bike was somewhere around that section and Gibbs has, has, has either jumped that rhythm or something's happened and he's, he's hit his bike and gone over the bars. And that's where the shoulder injury came from. Um, you have to imagine if he's not uh, racing on the Sunday that it's got to be something pretty serious. I, I talked to him real quick on Sunday morning. I wouldn't say talk to him. I just sort of said, sorry to him, mate. What's the go? And he just kept on walking said, not racing today. So he was... You could see he was pretty bummed out and he was in a lot of pain. His arm wasn't in a sling, but he was limping and he wasn't moving that side of his shoulder. Um, so clearly, man, he must have hit the ground hard because Gibbsy's had some big hits over the years and raced the next day, no problem. So I know they were at the Adelaide Hospital on Saturday night getting x-rays. So, I mean, you got enough, you got scapular knowledge for days. I think you've broken a few of them, right? Yeah, <laughs> a few, more than a few, <laughs> but hopefully... So how is that. that? how is that injury? If you have a broken scapula, can you ride with it? Well, see... I, and to, I, to clarify, I don't know for sure that's what it is, but that's what I heard. Well, if it's a scapular fracture, um, I've had... Because I've had so many, there's been quite a difference in... Uh, I've, this last one they did, I completely snapped the top, the back of my shoulder joint off and uh, that had to be wired back together. But I've also had uh, ones where I've fractured it and two weeks later I've raced with an injection um, to, you know... I guess an anti-inflammatory injection, which has helped. So if it's a small crack, um, so he might be good for the second half of the season. If that's the case, just you'd depends. Hope, but yeah. if it's anything to do with muscles, it it just depends. Like we've seen with Supercross this year in America, Savachi popped his shoulder out and raced the next weekend, whereas uh, someone can pop it out and then be done for the year and have to get surgery. So yeah, it's so individual. Just one of those things that just sucks when they do go bad and, and they're just a shitty joint. But think about this, like for Gibbsy, like it's heartbreaking. Like this was the year for him to get it back Dude, on I track. Had, I'm glad I didn't put money on it because I picked him for the championship. You want to talk about money? We're going to talk about Ferris in a minute. <laughs> we had that bet. Um, but yeah, for Gibbs, I mean, it's heartbreaking. You could see how bummed out he was on Saturday. And the other thing is that's his hometown race. Like even though he doesn't live in SA anymore, he's from there. Um, so there was a lot of people out there to see him race. From what I could see, he was talking to some some different crews at different times and, and kind of entertaining everyone because they'd come to watch him ride. But um, man, bummed out for Gibbsy, and I really hope it doesn't keep him out of the second half of the season. But even if it doesn't, the championship's pretty much done at this point. Well, I think for him, if he can make it back to the last half of the year, uh, he just has to come out and sort of win rounds and, and sort of stamp that in everyone's mind. But I think championship-wise, he's, you know, he's out of it now. He's what 96 points back so um, yeah, that was a big point swing for uh, for Kurt Gibbs and he was really building a solid program for this year as far as the points go but yeah we hope to see him back out there for the second half of the season but mate he's his luck just seems to go from some good to bad so quickly and his injuries are always like it's not like a when he was doing supercross a couple of years ago like it was a femur it was a hip it was 
Like, he doesn't have little injuries either. And for him, moving across to Yamaha, uh, I'm sure he's getting paid fairly well. And, and for him to be a... Um, you know, to be knocked out of the series like this has got to be a massive disappointment, especially because he doesn't ride race Supercross usually. So this is his one championship for the year. I wonder how the disparity is at CDR. Like, do you reckon they've got him on a, a number one and number two rider pay scale between Gibbsy and Clout, or do you reckon they're pretty even? I don't want to speculate because I have no idea. Surely. It's a, it's a, it's a podcast. I guess, but, um, you know, money is one of those things that, you know, everyone gets really funny about, but... Uh, I would imagine you'd have to think that Gibbs is on a little bit more than Clout. You think? I I, I think that's right. Again, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. But um, Clout is kind of establishing himself, especially after the weekend. Like he's going to be a number one guy soon. Well, that's the thing. When in the second half of the year, with Clout having the red plate now, is uh, that you know that? Well, yeah, I say number one guy soon. Like he's got the red plate. Yeah, like, he's, so he's got he's the red there, plate. You know? I wonder if. It gets a little tense in the truck. I'm sure Gibbs is, you know, he's a professional and one of the nicest guys in the pits. But Yeah, he's a super sort of nice guy, Gibbsy and Chill, but at the end of the day, racing's racing and uh Yeah. Well I don't th- I don't think we're gonna see Gibbs come out and clean Cloud out, but <laughs> that it may was, get a little bit tense. That in was the your truck. call for last last round of Melros, wasn't it? To be honest, like, I'm pretty disappointed in Hayden. Didn't come out and do it, but he's too nice of a guy. Yeah, I mean it's disappointing he didn't clean out Dean. It, it was a simple move. Would have made me look really good if he did. So let's talk about Ferris. Um, okay, so before we get anywhere, this is what the viewers really care about. I keep, I keep saying viewers because of NRG. It's listeners for the podcast. But anyway, um, so you said, you said, oh, you got 10 bucks out for me. I pay my debts. <laughs> you said that Ferris is going to sweep both moto, uh, both rounds. Yeah. Yeah. You, you put 10 bucks I on I think it. my words were, he would be a failure <laughs> if he didn't win both days. <laughs> it was what you said. Um, I said, no, I said he doesn't win Saturday and he wins Sunday. Um, and then Donnell said... Well, I was completely out of lunch. I said he wouldn't win at all and my money was gone after the first moto yeah, on Saturday. The first thing you said is like, in the NRG trailer, he's like, well, I guess Oates ran 10 bucks, But Oatesy, Jade's Oates said something. I, I can't really... Remember what it was? It just sort of sounded like Yamaha and Blue Crew and, and saying the right things. Well, he but picked Gibbs, so he's not even in close nah, to getting this money. But he did say Blue Crew was going to win. and But that's so much of a generic answer. He's a Yamaha-supported <laughs> coach, and that doesn't count. That's too boring of an answer to be even part of the bet. So I said that Ferris would win Sunday. I said they'd struggle Saturday with settings. They'd figure it out, and it kind of went the other way. Where well, I want to talk about that because have we ever seen – well, we haven't. In the last few years, Ferris, in that third moto of Sunday, he pretty much just rode around and got fifth or fourth. So have, we haven't seen that in years. What was It was almost like the wind was out of his sails. No, nah, I got a theory for that. So we'll get to that in a minute. But when he started off... Uh, You're on, just talking about money right now. <laughs> yeah, no, let's get back. Give him my money. Yeah. <laughs> um, you put it back in your pocket, give him my money. Well, yeah. you, you said he would win... Sunday when he won on Saturday. So is that well that okay? So I got it wrong. So I guess technically nobody won. We need to make more clear rules for a bet next time. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the money. I've got about seven dollars. My name right now. After so. buying that high speed internet yeah, on the I flight, paid, home. I spent half my week's wage on <laughs> internet on the plane. <laughs> um, but right, Ferris comes out honestly in qualify. He made Super Bowl on Saturday. As soon as he made Super Bowl on Saturday, I'm like, all right, it's on. You know, I didn't expect him to win Super Bowl, and he didn't. I think Cloudy won Super Bowl on Saturday. Yeah, he did. Um, and I was like, okay, well, Ferris made Super Bowl. Obviously, the bike's gelling with him. It's the start of something. 
And then, man, he comes out, whole shots, moto one. Whole shot, moto one? I feel like I keep asking these over on Burgundy questions at the end of... Yes, he whole shot, he whole shot one. one. Well, I don't want to say stuff that's incorrect. Duran does every week. True. It's like 90% oh. of our show. <laughs> um, yeah, so as soon as he got out to the lead in that first moto on Saturday, I'm like, he hasn't missed a beat. Like, he looks so good on that bike. It looked crazy seeing him on a recovery race line KDM, number one, Fox gear. Like, it, it was crazy. So, for me, with those race line bikes this year, look like the coolest in the pits almost. They've got a really nice... Yeah, uh, I fully went and geeked out on that bike as so well. So did you? I didn't like the Recover Eight Ferris bike. I thought it was looked like dog shit compared to the Raceline bike. Oh wow, really? That's where you're wrong, Duran. Like you're wrong about <laughs> you're, a lot of things. You're wrong about a lot, yeah, and you're definitely wrong about that. Wrong. I think the Raceline bikes have nailed it, and it looks awesome. Whereas yeah, but it had to be different. He couldn't just rock up on a Raceline bike. I guess that's true. It also looks super weird with a white background and a. Oh, number, number one, one. Yeah. yeah that always trips you out when that one isn't it looks like when you see that it's like wow someone's year isn't going good because he's got a one and it ain't red but he gets a he gets a pass on that one obviously not doing the series awfully confusing when you're trying to direct camera guys as well when you've been saying blue number one for the last three years and mm. now it's orange number one it's not right made it work though um but no he he looked great on that katie obviously saturday it was dominant dominant performance um both motos very impressive Ferris hadn't skipped a beat. Um, I guess that's what you were getting at, Duran. If he didn't do that at least once over the weekend as far as the two rounds, like it would have been a failure. Well, after the Saturday racing, yeah, he did win both motos. But after seeing how cloudy stuck with him, I think it was during moto one, uh, I kind of was a bit sceptical with the uh, sprint format on Sunday morning because mm. I thought if Cloudy can run with him, um, it's going to make it tough. And then if you saw in, I think it was the second moto of the day on Sunday, uh, in the second back-to-back, Cloudy's intensity in that first lap was way better than Ferris. He actually passed him in the second corner uh, and, you know, that really set up that race. If if he hadn't got past Ferris that quickly, it may not have ended up the same because... Uh, yeah, he just had a lot more intensity in that first lap compared to Ferris in that second moto. He did, and I think that's where there's a couple of things that come in. On Saturday, you know, when Cloudy was hanging with him, like, you know, Cloudy's beaten Ferris when he was on CDR last year. It was at Rancho Max. Now, this is what we talked about last week in the show before my bridge. That track promotes very close racing, and for anyone that watched NRG TV or was at the, at the venue, like, man, the racing in every class was really full on throughout the field. Um, I think a lot of the lines, even though it's a super wide and fast track, all the lines kind of funnel into one spot. It promotes close racing. Um, So I wasn't entirely surprised to see Cloudy or anybody else battling with Dean at that pace. My question is, on Saturday, do you think he had more in the tank? Well, yeah, I I do. I think he did. On the uh, Sunday when we saw him trailing, uh, before he crashed uh, trying to get around Clout, he really stepped it up and I was watching NRG thinking, holy crap, this looks awesome. He, he had a lot of intensity sort of from lap two onwards and uh, it did look like he had a lot in the tank and I guess that did end up in some crashes. But yeah, that was a weird deal. So, I mean, to summarise, like his Saturday was killer. It was what we'd all expect from Dean Ferris. He, he hadn't missed a beat. It looked very strange seeing him execute that race plan and how well he does his races on a KDM as opposed to a CDI Yamaha. Um, but we all got used to it by the end of the day, and it kind of looked like if Ferris wanted to stick around on that program for the rest of the season, Duran, 
he could probably walk away with a lot of wins and a lot of uh, overalls. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was just thinking then, and I, I thought, you know, Gibbsy crashed as well, so it kind of discounts it. He tucked the front, but I was just thinking if Ferris was hoping for some of those factory tyres when he tucked the front, but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess the Pirellis aren't too bad, and, and pretty much the whole Yeah, they run except, Pirelli at yeah, race line, yeah. yeah so, so Pirelli don't do a, a factory. Um, not that I know of. No, they, they run off the shelf, um, and then it's always the talk of the pits that year at MXN who's got the factory Dunlops, right? Yeah, exactly. But you, you'd have had a few out the back door at some point in your career, yeah. Nah, I've never. I don't oh, think come on, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so maybe you wouldn't have had so many injuries if you had some factory tires. Probably would have helped, but uh, for two weeks on the bike or whatever it was at Raceline, uh, they got that thing set up well. It wasn't like he was fighting the bike at all to me. Uh, no, but the track was a lot smoother on Saturday. So if we switch to Sunday now, I mean, he's checked out in the first sprint mode. Not checked out, but he's running his laps. He's out front in the first uh, sprint moto. Then he kind of just goes down all by himself. I think that just shows how tricky that Murray Bridge track was because the base was so hard. Like every rider you talk to said the track looks great, but it's so slippery. And, you know, he washed out in that right-hander before the uphill to the finish. Um that was a bit of a weird deal. We don't normally see Ferris crash all by himself. Maybe that kind of indicates he's only been on that bike for a couple of weeks. And the KDMs, they turn different. They've got a different, you know, triple clamp height set up, the headstand bearings, everything's a lot different. And you've ridden them, Duran, um, or maybe Huskies at, at different points, but they don't turn the same as a jet bike. And you have to, they turn more of a constant turn, constant lean. They don't like it when you turn the front end heavy. What kind of confused me is he crashed kind of exiting that turn. It wasn't at the apex where you'd be loading up the front. And and thanks to Darnell, we didn't actually catch that on NRG TV. Uh, we just saw the end of it. See that. <laughs> um, but that's but yeah, surf- so I think it was the surface. Like, yeah, is the, it? The, the, what but, was interesting to me was the second crash was that was just him rushing things. Like he wasn't even close to coming into that turn and then he came in way too hot to, you know, yeah, make Yeah, but do you happen. think he was actually trying to make the pass there? Because the, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think the lines came together. Yeah, I don't think – two things. I think that you look at him come in, he, he loads up so the rear end kind of packs and then unloads him. So he misses a few bumps with his rear wheel off the ground so he can't get braking done. And then Cloudy kind of came across that term pretty slow. And I think by the time Ferris had been able to anchor up, he just didn't. Because they didn't hit each other, did they? Oh, they did. Oh, they did. Yeah, they hit pretty hard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe um, I'm blind. Possibly. Might say you're out to lunch. <laughs> um, they hit. They, they did hit, didn't they? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was like, if you watch the NRG TV, like you watch the replay we put up, it was like Ferris unloaded the rear, couple bumps, didn't get to brake, then got a bit squirrely trying to brake, and then Cloudy came across, didn't even know he was there. And then all of a sudden, if you're Cloudy, you just get a face full of orange fender, number one. And I was actually pretty impressed how well Cloudy took that hit because it, it's like either he knew he was there and he braced for it or he didn't know he was there and he just took it like a champ because Ferris, he got the raw end of the stick there, he hit him and ran out of momentum and just kind of fell over. Yeah, it's something that we haven't seen for quite a while from... Uh Ferris, especially with obviously in races, I think you could almost count uh, on one hand how many times we've seen him make a mistake in the last three years. So yeah, it's very very rare. Uh, and then look, here's what I think: I think he won on Saturday. He proved his point, and the the Moto World media, it's a small place, so he, he should have just dropped the mic and and left. Yeah, he smoke bombed it. Could have just gone home. But I think there was more more racing to be done on Sunday and more. You know, more bonuses to be made, but it didn't work out that way for him, unfortunately. But 
Um, I think by that third moto on Sunday, the track was baked. It was square edges. It was gnarly. Like it finally got to that Murray Bridge where it, it gets pretty sketchy at the end of the day. And I think he was probably in the mindset of if I get a start, I'm going to go. And if I don't, well, you know what? There's still the opportunity that he's hoping to go to the States. There's still that ambition. And he'd be kicking himself if he does get that phone call maybe this week to go to America and race a pro motocross series. And he's got a busted wrist because he crashed trying to pass for third at Murray Bridge, you know? But if he does does go over to America and he's a privateer, which I don't know if he would do or not, but what bike does he ride? Because he's been on a Yamaha for the Man, last I don't wanna, years. Man, I don't want to speculate at this point. Like, I, if it's going to happen, we're going to hear about it this week, surely. Because okay. Hangtown's what? Not this weekend, next weekend? So if it doesn't, if if there's no news this week, he's not going. It just seems like a waste of a year if he doesn't. He's got to at least, uh, like he could, I'm sure that race line bike's nothing, you know, too crazy, nothing too special. He could take some of those parts and... Nah, and I don't think he's interested in doing it that way. I mean, he did it, you heard how much money he talked about spending to go do it in 2017 when he shipped his CDR bike and, and some of the team out there. Like that would have cost him a lot of money. Yeah, I guess. But, I, yeah, like I said, I just think it, if he doesn't at least do the two Californian rounds, uh, he can still come back and finish his series off in Australia. But if he if he goes over there on, on a program he's paying for himself and it's not the best, you know, his privateer bike, he's not got it set up for the States, he's not got American technicians, then he shows his hand to America again. And if he doesn't do good, then his stock's pretty much done over there. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? But it, to me, if he doesn't go to the States, he does the rest of the season with that setup. He probably wins a lot of races, probably makes some good bonus money. And either way, it's going to work out. But I, mean, I think we talked about Ferris enough now at this point. But I wanted, before you speak, talk about any of the other riders, uh, it's always interesting. So that track, my Ridge, how many times have they had the Nationals there throughout the last decade? It's there every, every year. Yeah, yeah. so... They know how to prepare a track. It was the exact same track except backwards. Mm. Uh, how does it end up hard like that when you, they've prepared it year after year and they they nail it nearly every year and then we show up this year and it's... I would, ag- I would agree except for the fact that because you weren't there, you didn't see how the rest of... Like literally, and Donnell can back this up, like the track was like stay in the mornings. The track was ripped. It was tacky. Like it was prime. Next to the track, like the infield where all our cameras were, where the cables were, where the fans were. It wasn't just dry. It was like it was like maybe half a foot of like bulldust. And they haven't had any – they had to truck water in to water the like track. we have years where pretty much all the clubs nail the track and, and we have some really good, uh, you know, racetracks. This year it seems like we just had some really bum luck. We've had round one that's happened that's a full mud bog. We've had round, round two, two at Wontaggy that was raining on and off all day. Then Broadford's was pretty good for Broadford actually. And then now we've had uh, round four and five. So hopefully I'm, I've got big expectations for Gimpy. Um, I've heard some good things and, and hopefully round six is, uh, you know, knocks it out of the park and, and we can, you know, have some good racetracks. Because it did seem like that track on the weekend, uh, the beginning of the motos and especially on Saturday, there wasn't much to separate the riders. And I know we're not talking about MX2 right now, but we had some sort of odd results like, Barham was up there and, and a few others like that. I just don't think there was much to separate. No, there the wasn't. and I it think wasn't, wasn't rough like it would normally be. No, it, um, it formed up strange. I'll give you that. You know, it was like the the um, the, the base was so hard. And again, I'll, I'll put that down to the, the drought situation over there. Because you know how hot it gets in SA in summer. It's ridiculous. 
and they've had no rain. Like I said, they were trucking water in, so they ripped it X deep. I don't know how deep it was, but it, it you know, that got moisture. But as soon as that pushed off, and that's what happened to a lot of the track, right, is that you had the rock-hard surface underneath. So all these nice ruts formed up and, like, high-walled berms, you know, that Murray Bridge is kind of renowned for. And then once those, you know, what it's like, Duran, once the track forms up, you kind of can't go high in those ruts anymore because the it's all baked off and it doesn't really work anymore. And then they were just left with this super hard blue groove surface that had wet moisture dirt on top. And that's where all that wheel spin and, and that unpredictable, like, Ferris's crash came from. I'm just surprised we didn't see more flats because it did seem like there was a lot of square edges and, and you know, a lot of hard riding would have been sore on the lower back on, on Monday. I think Chucky Sanders' kidney belt would have come in handy no, with so their square I, I edges. I was actually thinking that. <laughs> Maybe he's onto something. Maybe. Um, you just got to build up a tolerance to your kidneys. If you've, you know, taken a few hits on the square edges with your kidneys, they get, you know, that they get strong and they get built up. They get used to the uh, they get tough, the they? trauma, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> Kidney trauma. Yeah. Um, great sport, motocross. Um, so that's Ferris done. I got a list of guys we've got to talk about in MX1 real quick before we get to Kyle Webster on the phone. He just texted me and said he's landed. Um, so we'll get him on soon to talk about MX2. So Luke Clout leaves with the red plate. Really solid two rounds for Cloudy. See, I, I was thinking this, and he's got to be a little bit disappointed that out of the two days, he won Can't those. you just be happy for someone at I one am, point? But I'm sort of thinking as a racer, like, yeah, he's come out with a points lead and, and it's all good. But in his defense, before you go any further... He got run over in the first turn and on Saturday, right? What moto was that that he crashed in the first turn? Yeah, that was the first moto. First moto. So, yeah, hell of a ride. he had the Mike Metzger helmet going on with no peak and the, and the rear fender was – and that's when Dobson hit him. And, and I talked to Clout on Saturday, Arvo, real quick, and um, he said that as he was kind of sliding, his foot was in a – I don't know, like he said he was on his toes and that's when Dobson ran over his ankle. He thinks it was Dobson anyway. Uh, not like Jesse did it on purpose, but yeah, they came together. Um, and he, 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 you know, we saw photos of his ankle and it was like black and blue. And he pretty much said to Aiden and I um, that, you know, after this weekend, he's like, he's going to need to take a, a little bit of a time off because he's like, my body's really sore. So for him to do the performance he did on the weekend with his body that banged up from that crash, um, now you go. Okay. I'm not like, Picking on the dude, I'm just saying that he's got to be disappointed. He won those back-to-backs, and I want to know if this rule is going to stick around for next year because he won two-thirds of the motos again, and we had him in second or overall, which to me, I understand the rule, but it would bug the shit out of me it, if I went and won, won two-thirds of the motos on the day and still got second overall. Well, it basically gives you um, – so Waters went 2-2, Clout went 1-1. One, one, yeah, I, I understand the No, rule. I know I you understand. It. Yeah, I know we don't need to do a diagram and shit, but – you understand it, and um, but yeah, basically it was like just a single moto. That's how it worked yeah. out. But that's where the consistency comes in for Waters having to get that second in moto too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you'll because to me on the day on Sunday, Clout was the best dude. He won two thirds of the moto, and he got second overall. Just yeah. back to the Ferris bet, I did say Luke Clout would win. So do I get like five bucks out of that? No. Um, uh. So <laughs> so yeah, Cloudy obviously points lead now. Killing it, he. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can really. Do you do you like him for the title? It's hard because you you think of that team that Gibbs is the dude that would get the title. So uh, I didn't really consider Cloudy to be you know consistent enough over the ten rounds to uh, get the championship. So to me, it would be a little bit surprising. But I guess if you look at the trajectory of his career, it probably makes sense that he. 
Uh, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so. I don't think he gets it personally. Um, my money's on Waters, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Put it that way. I I would be a little bit, but uh, knowing how well, I don't know. But from everyone, how everyone talks, Cloudy definitely puts in the work, and uh, you can whenever you're at the track, uh, he's one of the dudes that's always putting in the motos. So uh, hard work pays off, and for him to have the number one plate, yeah, it would be un unexpected for me but it would kind of make sense as well so he took that plate from melros and i thought melros had a really solid weekend you know he his mo is clearly consistency um hasn't got a moto win yet well i guess he did get a moto win in broadford but with the penalty he didn't whatever you want to call that in his head he probably got that moto win um but man i think he went third overall on both days is that yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So for him, it probably sounds like really we have solid. no idea what we're talking about. But there was five races in each class, plus MXD. So I'm a little hazy on the the finer details. Um, but yeah, third overall on both days, Duran. Sorry, to cut you off like that. He, it just, it's not surprising me anymore. But he's got the speed. He was running down waters in a moto. Like he really is factoring into these races. Like he, he's the real deal this year, and he's super consistent. And I think that moto win's going to come. But I do like him to be in the championship contention at Coolum the way he's riding. Well, I think it was in between the back-to-backs on Sunday, Aiden actually interviewed him before the like with NRG. Yeah, on the start and line, he actually, yeah. he said he didn't feel that comfortable, if I'm correct. So yeah. if he's not that comfortable and he can get a, you know two-thirds on the weekend, uh, he's definitely going to be... Yeah, I think mentally he's in a really good place. Yeah, he seems like he's solid. Yeah. Uh, so for him to get this title, if, if, they, if you have Waters or Clout, you know, throw away a moto... Um, he with that consistency, he could be standing with that number one plate at the end of the year. But what do you think of Waters? Because I was watching NRG, obviously, and he was sending it. He was really pushing it. And to me, I don't know if it's uh, how he sets up the bike or that it looked like it was quite low in the rear. And I don't know. It just seemed like he, the more he pushed on in the start of the motos, he was on, a little bit out of shape, but he was Sunday? so fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of how Waters rides though, isn't it? Like he's a very unorthodox riding style. He's a big dude. He sits up real tall and he kind of rides off the back of the bike more, I'd say, with his, like where his, his sitting position is. Does that make sense? Yep. He's uh, really upright with his upper body. He's, yeah. He's quite he kind of reminds, you know, like um, Zach Osborne in the States. Like I know they're compl- like Osborne's like three foot tall and Waters is, is what, six foot five or whatever. Um, but they kind of have a similar riding style as far as how upright they are with their torso. Would you agree or am I out to lunch on that? He just reminds me of um, Errol Willis with the way he's quite upright. Wow, that's a blast from the past. It is. But, yeah, so uh, he was super fast. Um, I know his Saturday wasn't great. but That first time crash didn't help either on that day, but... Is that the first overall he's had for the year? Yeah. So. Well, actually, no, because he won broad oh, yeah. uh, Appen. Appen. So second overall. Yeah, technically second overall, even though he got that moto when that gave him the overall with the one moto format. Um, my thoughts on Waters, when the track gets rough, like at Broadford, like at, um, well, obviously that second moto in Broadford, he struggled because he actually, I talked to him on Friday at Murray Bridge. He said he bent his rear disc, bent the rotor. Doesn't know how, was it a square edge or a rock or something? Um, but he said he couldn't really ride the track very well with no consistent rear brake. And that's why that race he struggled. But um, I feel like when the track gets gnarly, like it did Murray Bridge second moto when he won on Sunday, most brutal track. Like the square edges were, you know, knee deep. I mean, they were that deep. They did, they blew a wheel apart for Wilson Todd in MX2. And, and we'll get to that in that first moto on um, Sunday. 
that's when he shines because he's fit, he's just strong, and yeah, he probably doesn't have the most textbook riding style, but he is not afraid to go fast in those conditions. He, and he's only going to get better. He's going to the US. Yeah, so that's confirmed. He's going. Well, he said that on the podium, was didn't he? So for him, you probably think I'd know that, but sometimes we don't get the audio from the podium. How do you think he'll go in uh, in <laughs> in the first three rounds over in the states? Oh, it's hard to say, isn't it? Can you see him being any more than a ninth, tenth place guy? Oh, I was going to say we've seen Coops go over, and I think he's usually about seventeenth at the first round. Uh, Cody Cooper. So I the- don't think you can compare Cooper to Waters though. Cooper in NZ is like on another level. But in the States, although, what did he do that year when he was running for JGR? Oh, he shit the bed hard. <laughs> okay, he, um, so that kind of proves year, my point. It yeah. was the year before 08 on the uh, Suzuki City. He, That's right. He, he had some really good results. Yeah. Um, I don't know. going to be interesting. I mean, does Waters really risk his MXN chance at a championship to make an extra pass in the States to get that? Yeah, res- yeah, you reckon, yeah, he, reckon does? he does? Yeah. He wants to establish himself as a you know really good rider over there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know ten to sort of fourteen. So you're saying if he's inside the top ten, that's a really big accomplishment. Well, you have to think if you if you go through the riders list, let's say each team has two factory riders. But you also got to remember they're going out there early in and the motocross season where those guys have just come off of four months of supercross plus all the preseason. Like I'd say they might almost have an advantage over the guys outside of the elite, like Tomac, Roxon, Osborne, like our guys like Ferris and Waters, like they're coming off of motocross for forever. Do you want, do you want to put money on this one as well? All right, let's do it. What's so the So if he's in the top 10, top nine for you. Uh, top nine. <laughs> <laughs> the thing. If, he's, if he's anywhere between 10 and 14, you owe me 10 bucks. Okay. And if he's anywhere from 10 down, yeah, you owe me 20 bucks. Oh, seems fair. I'll take the outside chance on... Uh, after 14, top 20, but after 14th then. I feel like I'm getting stooged here. I've only got 10 to 14. That's only, what, five positions? Yeah, but you're saying your whole point is you can't get in the top 10. I've only got $7. I need to get as much as I can get. <laughs> I think, yeah, so 10 to 14, I, I think Waters will be, which is All right, so let's finish it up with this. What about Ferris? If he goes, where does he end up? Because there's also talk of Wilson Todd going, but we'll get to that in a minute. I'll go Ferris... Uh, nine to fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He, he, I feel like Ferris has got one foot in and one foot out. Whereas Todd said, "Yeah, I'm going." Okay. See if Dean goes, he's got to be five to ten on an average day. Well, see, for me, I think it's one of those things that if Ferris goes over for one round, he puts it in the top ten easy. If he goes for a series, that's a different story that's quite hard to go and you know sustain over 24 motors yeah it's different it's yeah it's different but all right um mx1 notables before we get on with mx2 um rod bell see i i think for if you were to have any aussie 18 year old um getting the results he's he's getting and and running up front like he is would be talking about it more. There'd be uh, so much hype about if, th- if he was yeah. an Aussie rookie doing I think, that. I think for him, you know, to be 18 and, and he wasn't known coming into the series, uh, there wasn't much talk about him and we, well, I didn't. There was some talk about him. You said this. Like if you? we haven't heard of him, he's not going to do any good. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. Um, for him to get, he's been pretty much in the top four on every start of the year. So for him to um, be running up, front like he is i feel like 
the media outlets aren't talking about him enough. And if he did stay over here for the next few years, he could be on one of our, you know, bigger teams. Uh, so do you come. think almost being an American, it's like a disadvantage to him at this point? No, not at all. I just think that uh, the KSF guys, uh, I, when I spoke to the manager there, they did want him to come in under the radar because he is only 18 and they didn't want the pressure on him. But if we did have an Aussie kid that had come out of juniors and in his pretty much his second year was getting hole shots and running like, like leading laps in MX1, in yeah. MX1 I think I think we'd be talking about it a lot more. Yeah, I think it's kind of under the radar. Like, I guess because he's American, I think people kind of almost expect it, and you're you're up against that as an American over here. That if you don't come out and win or kill it, like, oh well, he's obviously not that successful as an American. Like, because there's just that thing of the American riders, right? Um, but man, he's he's so impressive. I really can't. I like the kid. Like, just talking to him, he's a cool dude, and he's pretty chill. But, um, man, when that gate drops, he is all about it. So what do you reckon of uh, Metcalf? I don't think he should have been riding personally. I want to go over and give Uriva a hug and a hot chocolate because uh, <laughs> he, he definitely <clears throat> he definitely lays all on the line on Instagram and everyone knows, you know, the struggles this year. And I just always wonder, I, I saw today that Uriva said that uh, he didn't have to be out there, but I kind of feel like, He's the only rider Honda has. If you look through the field, what notable riders are on Honda? Yeah, I don't really know what happened because the Red Rider program last year was pretty big and they and had a lot of privateers. It seemed like uh, everyone sort of went away from that. Even in the 250 class, I think uh, Constantino is the only other real Honda rider apart from uh, Webster. There's Lockie D in MX1. Yep. He's like a 15, 20 plays guy. Zach Moll, Isaac Moll. He's on Honda still, but is he injured right now? I haven't I seen him. I haven't seen him. Yeah, he, I haven't so seen him. So that program didn't really seem to work out, and it's just a bummer that like well, yeah, Honda, four. when you think of Honda, you think of one of the biggest powerhouses worldwide, and for them to have one rider, uh, I guess this is what happens when what that rider does get hurt. Well, you put all your eggs in one basket, and I mean, look, I, I love Brett Metcalf. Everybody does, um, and I think you're right. Like when I said I don't think he should be riding, I just think that he's – He's clearly not in a position to do his best and he's representing his sponsors and he's representing the team, yes. But um, like he just looks like he's – in qualifying when the track was smooth, he, he definitely has a dip and you can see that it's still there. Like he's still Brett Metcalf. But have you took a look at that finger? Yeah, I just – I could be completely wrong, but if they have another rider on the team and Honda is actually supporting the sport in Australia, I don't see Brett Metcalf being out there because – like you said, his finger is an absolute mess. He's got plates and screws and holding it together. Like, can you imagine? Weeks. Can you imagine getting roosted from a 450? And we all know how much that hurts. And then you've just got fresh hardware in your finger. I mean, I saw the post you put up the other day after Murray Bridge. I think it was today, maybe I can't remember, but <laughs> maybe yesterday at the airport. And like they've got tape running all the way up Maddie's wrist over his his pinky finger where he's got that hardware in it, like that. I mean, hats off to him because he was already riding with a broken back, never forget, and then that crash happens at, at one thaggy and then he breaks his finger. Like, So hats off to Medi because he's a trooper, but, man, it's heartbreaking. Well, I guess you and and the Honda team put that info out there to make it so that the results don't seem too bad. But it almost, to me, makes them look like idiots for sending him out there with a hand that looks like that. 
I think that I honestly think that at the end of the day, the decision like Uribe doesn't have a gun to Metti's head yeah, saying you've yeah. got a race. Like it's clearly Metcalf wanting to do right by the team. Yeah, and don't I don't think sorry don't think he doesn't feel the pressure of being the only rider. Like clearly he wants to do right by the team. So again, that's a sign of the person he is because a lot of riders would go, no, nah, I'm good. This is way too painful and I can't show my true potential at all. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess that kind of wraps up. Anything else on MX One you can think of, Duran? Uh, yeah, Dobson. What happened there? Right, so Dobson, Moto1. I talked to his mechanic and I talked to Jesse real quick after the first race and um, Dobson hit Clout in the first turn, wide open. And this becomes the problem now with Dobson being a privateer, only running one bike. He hit Clout so hard that they reckon the impact, his bearings in the rear wheel were already had a lot of hours on him <laughs> and a lot of mud from the first few races. And they actually, like, kind of, I don't know what you call it, ruptured the wheel bearings or they collapsed or whatever, and he had to DNF. But even on the second day... Oh, sorry, so that was the first day? It didn't look like it really got going for him other than that. No, it didn't look like Dobson really showed up uh, because what we're seeing this year, he's been really good. And, and for him to be, you know hovering outside the top 10 even at stages, I was really surprised. A lot of guys didn't gel with the track, and I guess he was one of them. The other one was... Uh, do you reckon it was tense under the Empire truck with Boppo beating Longy? I kept saying that on IGTV, like you've got the fill-in passing the contracted rider, but surely that's Longy's first race of the year. He's missed four, three rounds and he's had an elbow injury. You can't read too much into it. He was getting good starts. Yeah, he was getting really good starts. So I would definitely look for Longy to you know, put in the homework and, and get some bike time, which it looks like he hasn't had. Yeah, he hasn't. You can't judge anything off no, of that. No, so he could be make this interesting and if he has the speed that he had last year he could be a podium threat uh towards the end of the year i was actually pleasantly surprised with longy i thought he had a lot of speed um but yeah we got to wrap this up because we got to get to webster now but he had speed he just needs bike time and bopping was pretty good too gonna be interesting to see if the empire guys keep him around but that's gonna be a wrap on thor mx1 so let's get into mx2 now and um i think we really need to start here. We've got him on the phone. He's just landed, and I don't think you can look much past a 1-1 winning both days. Kyle Webster, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for coming on. Hey, how are you? Good, buddy. You've got Duran Stapleton here. He'll be giving you some questions as well as we go through oh, the nice. uh, interview. But, um, hey, mate, you, I know. Oh, sorry. oh, you're good. What did he say? He said, how you doing, banger? I'm doing pretty good, mate. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, so, hey, man, you just dropped out of the clouds. You just landed. Did you just go back to Sydney or where are you? Yeah, just, just back to Sydney tonight. Cool. So, um, back you, home for a little bit before I head back to Perth. Yeah, did you go back to WA in the mid-season break? Yeah, I'm going back in a couple of weeks to go and do a man, go do management up. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, so try and do that once a year you know go home see my parents and family and everything so yeah that's um yeah. that's always nice with that mid-season break and uh hopefully raise management for make a bit of extra cash as well um that's it so hey mate yeah i was gonna make some sort of joke like you just dropped out of the clouds landing but your head must still be up there because you just went one one and and probably <laughs> uh a career weekend for you i'd say that's going to be a highlight for years to come how's um how's that feeling man is it sunk in yet oh a little, yeah, I guess. Like this morning, I sort of woke up and it was just a bit like, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. But no, nah, definitely, definitely a career best and surprised myself a little bit there. But yeah, no, I'm pumped on it. I can't really say too much else other than that, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I feel like, and I've been a, a bit vocal about this with you over the last couple of seasons, um, Kyle. Like it's, I felt like it's always been there. You've always shown flashes of it, whether it's winning races, 
hole shots, track position. Like you've always been on that level, but it's never quite all come together for you. I think that's a fair kind of a comment. I don't know if you'd agree there, but um, you know, what changed over the weekend? You just kind of finally got it all put together. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it has been like that, you know, over the last few years. And um, I don't know, really like, as you know, probably the start didn't, didn't quite go to plan the first couple rounds. And um, I just sort of went down to Ross's in, in Melbourne and have just been spending more and more time down there with them and, you know, just, just learning like better racecraft and stuff, I guess. And just good starts really and whatnot. And over the weekend, I just, I just felt like I gelled with it a lot. Like it was a hard track and I had some good lines compared to the other guys, which, which was good. Like I picked up on them in the morning and kind of when I was walking the track, sort of felt like where it would go, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, it did Honestly, look like you gelled with it more than most. You know, a lot of guys look like, I'd say Wilson Todd, for example, looked, you know, at the start of the day when you were really attacking it, he probably looked a lot tighter than you and, and wasn't gelling with the track and you were coming out, you know, guns blazing, really confident on that surface. So um, it's not like even you can say, you know, we know you're a good sand rider. Murray Bridge this weekend definitely wasn't a sand track. Yeah, it was not what I was expecting. <laughs> no, for sure. To be, um, oh yeah, I couldn't believe how how hard a pack it was, and like understandably though, like they haven't had a lot of rain there in a long time. So did you run a paddle? Did you run a paddle tire or a scoop tire in practice, or did you just run nah. a regular? No, we didn't even pack one. Oh like, wow, okay. Yeah, I was, I was like pretty happy just to run the Pirelli mud tire. It's like a bit of a half half. Yeah. Um. Because a lot of guys and, in, especially in MX1, I walked along the start line before practice and it was pretty much like a 50-50 for a regular tire or a mud slash sand tire, you know? Yeah, well, like in um, in qualifying, I was like, oh, I can't wish I had the paddle. And then after about two laps, I was like, I'm so glad I didn't have a paddle and I went straight down to the base. And um, yeah, I noticed a few guys were pulling in and changing their rear wheels over to uh, put like a... I guess a mid soft or something back on, but yeah, I think by the, the end of practice, probably the best. Yeah, it was probably the best decision I made for like, especially qualifying in the first moto. Yeah, the starts you were getting too. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like you had some, I uh, you know, and Duran and I, we we kind of said that. Um, I mean, it's no secret, Kyle. Like that CRF two fifty is a, a production package. I've said this before on the show. It, it doesn't have anything close to the most horsepower in the class, and it's probably one of the slower bikes out there but man you uh you proven that one wrong as far as the starts you were getting on the weekend yeah well like it's funny like at one thaggy after i had that bike problem in the first moto i actually rode my pracky bike in the second one and um i got i got a six star like i was just behind will so like they're not too bad i just i've kind of been like a little bit inconsistent on them and just tending to like sort of stuff too early and wheelie a bit okay but on the weekend i are you there, mate? Rick? Rick, I think we've lost him. We'll get him back on the phone in a second. Well, well, he is at the airport, guys, so I guess um, we might he have... He just got, went through uh, security and they've just realised that he's a sketchy dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they pulled him He's aside. going in for a, a rubber glove search right now. Airport security at Adelaide stitched me up a beauty on the way home. Yeah, well, that that's true. You did have a PlayStation 2 in your bag. I believe the chick's quote that searched your bag was, that's why you're still single. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get him back on the phone in a second, guys. Sorry about that. Um, Donnell's just getting him back on now. Uh, 
pretty impressive weekend for him. He he pretty much halved, so he was quite a long way behind uh, Wilson Todd. He was 44 points behind. He's knocked 21 off off of that lead, so he's only 23 points behind now. It's so. definitely put him, and that's with a DNF. Um, but we got him back on the phone now. You there, mate? Kyle, how you doing? Yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened there. No, nah, it's all good. I guess you're just pretty you know, desperate to get us off the phone, right? Didn't pay his phone nah, bill. No, no. <laughs> yeah, now you've got some bonus money. You can pay your phone bill, mate. Yeah, well, that's it. That's <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> um, talking of your bike, uh, with that, uh, now we're in 2019. That's the second year for that new, new generation. Uh, generation Honda. Did you make yeah. any changes compared to last year with that uh, new bike? Um, I'm not, I know, like, because we go through XPR, obviously, in America, and last year he built them all over there and just sort of sent, sent us, like, the whole package back. And this year, the only difference that we really made was he just sent the parts and Mick and Craig built them here. But as far as, like, like XPR's development goes, I'm not entirely sure what they've changed. But from production, like, they came out this year with – um. Like, obviously, I think it was a smaller throttle body and, like, a few minor changes for bottom end. But, yeah, not a whole lot, really, to be honest. You kept on the on the podium, you kept thanking uh, promoter suspension. And I know in years past they've had quite a lot to do with that team. How much testing do you get to actually do uh, with promoter suspension? Are they still heavily involved with that team? Because uh, it seemed like your setup on the weekend was really good. Yeah, well, we... We do do a fair bit of stuff, like, but it's more so like we have like a base setting we've been working off of for a little while, so it's just like small changes at the moment. Um, but it's been a lot better for me because like this year I've been having Craig, obviously the full time mechanic on the team, so he's been able to come come with me riding a fair bit, and um, yeah, it's just a bit easier for him to help me like see what the bike's doing and stuff. So we've been doing a lot of changes and whatnot through the season, and. Yeah, Whitey and that are still got a, still got a fair bit to do with the team, as in all of our suspension and all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, and um, I guess touching on that as far as suspension and chassis, like that CRF two fifty for the longest time has been renowned as it's an amazing handling bike, and uh, putting that package you've got together with that as a standard um, bike uh, to build off, like it looked great on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it always. I guess when you have a good weekend, everything sort of feels good and looks good, you know, but. It yeah, it has been really solid this year. I mean, like at Broadford and all that, it was really good. And even one thirty before before I sort of got filled in with mud and whatnot, it was it's been solid. So I can't really complain on that on that side of things, you know. Yeah, one thirty for you has kind of been your kryptonite the last couple of seasons as far as mechanicals oh, go. Don't get me started. I freaking love the joint <laughs> and it just bites me. Yeah, um, I mean, I know it's it's no one's fault directly. Whether it, it's just the way things roll, but uh, man, you got to you just want to want to get out of there with a solid result at one point in the next couple of years. Eh? I, I know it always sort of makes my season a little bit harder. You, c- you can't be too mad. He got his first overall uh, career podium uh, win at my uh, at one thing, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, last year and then the next day. The complete opposite. So yeah, so that was like a <laughs> highlight and a and a disappointment in it, one weekend. It, it literally was. It didn't even feel like a good weekend when we left that day. So it's having, funny having a career weekend like you just did. Uh, we're heading yep. into the mid-season break right now. Is there anything that you're gonna, I guess, spoil yourself with with that bonus money? Because I'm sure you just you gone straight to the bank after that weekend. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't really thought about it too much. Like I'm pretty pumped, that's for sure, but. There's still got a bit on, like, I'll probably cruise this next week or so, and then it's just back to normal, really, like, going to Perth and 
racing and riding over there. It always just seems to fill up. But I don't know. I'll have to think about something maybe cool to buy. I'm not sure yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> As well, treat yourself to something, but you got to uh, – yeah. Yeah, at the same time, like you said, it's pretty much back to work. You can't uh, dwell on it too much because you kind of now at this point, Kyle, I mean, you know, with that DNF, you were out of the championship realistically as far as points go, even if it was early on. But with uh, Wilson's troubles with the the broken wheel in Moto 1 yesterday, you're kind of back on the radar now. You're in that – how many points was it, Duran? You're out 20 – He's 23 out. 23 out. made 21 up over the Yeah, weekend. so you made it, you know, half that gap in one well, one weekend, two rounds. Um you know, that's a real possibility for you now to be in this championship hunt again. I know, it's definitely like it it was quite weird. Like I didn't really think about it until after after weekend and I walked over to the truck just to have a quick look and like it was my goal to sort of I, it was a far fetched goal of course, but like I, by the mid season break I was like, if I can get to second that'll be pretty cool. Um obviously it had to work in my favour a little bit and, and it didn't when I saw the truck and I looked at the points, I was like, Oh, it's tightened up a lot, you know. Yeah, for sure. But, it definitely was a big point yeah. swing. I mean, but you've had your throwaway moto with the DNF, and even though Wilson didn't DNF, I guess that's kind of his throwaway moto at this point. So now it's just going to be a straight up. Um, it's all on. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> well, the thing is, oh, they did it. Yeah, they did it in the. Each of them did it in the back to back motos. So uh, they did lose a, a whole moto, but they actually, with the combined scores, yeah, did dam- it really. Yeah, damage control. If, if you'd have had that straight up DNF in the regular moto, that would have been a lot worse for both of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I wasn't really sure how that was going to work. And the way that it worked for me at one day, yeah, I was pretty pumped. Like, at least I kind of got some points. And same as Wilson. Like, it's it's almost the same. So, um, yeah, it's, he's still a little bit away. Like, 23 points isn't going to be easy, especially with the way he's riding. So, I mean, I'll try not to really think about it too much. No, just take it race uh, by race and go from yeah. there. Um, let's switch gears up a little bit, Kyle. So how many years now have you been on the tour and uh, and with that CRF Penwright racing team? Um, I think I did my first year of 19s in 2014. Yep. I did my first year and, and then I did one year of lights in 2015 and then I kind of went to Honda in 2016. Okay, so, so it was 16. Yeah, it's been a – yeah, okay. I thought you were with that team. Time. And who, who were you riding for in 15? Uh, yeah, I was on my own at the start. And then, like, McCoy's team helped me out for the last little bit in Supercross. That's right. I remember that now. Sorry, we're going back a few years. Were they riding Yamahas back then? Yeah. Yeah, the okay. Ones. That's right. Yeah, you got – okay, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the world's coolest T-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I remember now. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you've been around for a little bit and you've been with that. Uh, so, this will be your third season on, on the CRF racing team. Um, sorry, four seasons. So, I guess the, the question is, you know, you've had some really good results and no, no offense to that team whatsoever, you know, and I, I think they've built an excellent program around you over the last few seasons. Um, but have you had opportunities maybe with the race wins you've had and the overalls and and being sort of a breakout guy at different times in different years, you know, I'm sure that uh, some of the more reputable or, or more established teams have, have come and talked to you. What, what's made you stick it out and, and really uh, build and, and grow with this CRF team? Well, like I never, I never really had anything come my way until sort of last year. Like the other years for me haven't been like overly great, but last year wasn't too bad. I like, got a few race wins and a couple overalls and stuff and, I mean, like, a few people did, did speak to me a little bit, but I almost felt like I kind of, like, marking all that stuff by me a lot and through the bad years and whatever. And, um, 
honestly, like, I asked for what I asked for and he, he gave it to me, you know. Like, I said, like, we need a full-time mechanic and Craig's the guy. Um, and he straight away put Craig on and he just, like, before I even had a chance to sort of change, he got everything done that I asked for, if you know what I mean. So I sort of just felt like I needed to, not needed to, but wanted to stay with them again and everything's developing. It's been getting so much better year in, year out. And, like, from the outside, they do look like a small team and, like you said, but we kind of have been getting the results everyone else does, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I like that about the team. Like, you guys are actually pitted right opposite the uh, MX Nationals truck and I saw you guys rock up one of the mornings and you were... You know, you guys were having fun. You're throwing boots around, and and it seems like there's a really cool family vibe over there. Which, um, like DPH or another team that have that vibe, and it really works well for the riders. So obviously, you're happy over there. Yeah, it's cool. Like the whole family vibe thing is really cool. You know, like it's you still get to go on the weekend and have some fun. <laughs> yeah, which is the main thing. So, but yeah, I mean, I haven't really been thinking about it at the moment. Like it's still pretty early, but you never really know what's going to happen. <laughs> So, like, I do want to go to a 450 eventually. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Room. So, how old are you now? I'm 23. Okay, so are you starting to think about that MX1 transition? Yeah, definitely. I have been thinking about it for a while. Like, I love riding a 450. I, I ride them a bit when I go back to Perth and mand them up and all that. But it's hard. Like, you know, a lot of the, like, all the good seats in the 450 class are taken already. Um, and, like, it's, yeah, you can't really. I can't really afford to be like riding for nothing, if you know what I mean. Like, so it, it it's definitely a hard decision, and I wouldn't mind going next year if something good came about. But I'm not like stressing over it, if you know what I mean. Looking forward, I know to change the subject, but looking forward, you've got Gimpy uh, coming up next after the five week break. Uh, have you ever ridden there, and and you know what are your thoughts coming into the second after the season? Oh, sorry, what was that? I just went a little bit quiet. Have I you ever ridden at Gimpy? That signal. <laughs> oh, Gimpy? Yeah, he just said uh, going into the second half of the season, we've got Gimpy coming up and, um, yeah, moving from there, the second half of the season. What's your thoughts on that, all the tracks and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I can't wait, eh? Like, Gimpy, I've heard about it. I spoke to Kirk the other day. He went there um, and he said it was a sick track. And from what I've heard, it sounds real cool. And I, I like that it's a brand new track, like no one's been there. And, um, like, I haven't been to Maury either, so there's two two trucks you sort of heard a fair bit about. So I'm keen as for those, and obviously Coolin's a doubleheader. Um, I'm pumped on that. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll suit you for sure. And and I didn't think of that until just now. Like, if you do go down to the Y with the championship, that's not a bad place for you to have um, have a couple rounds, hey? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm more than stoked about that. Um, but probably the closest thing to having a doubleheader at Wanneroo, right? I guess would be the next best place. <laughs> yeah, that would be the, probably the next best place, that's for sure. But, oh, you know, Wilson can hold it on everywhere he goes. Like, all the yeah. boys can, that's that's for sure. Especially now, like, yeah, it doesn't make too much of a difference where we ride, it feels like. <laughs> so you're going over to Perth now uh, and racing Manjum up uh, in the next couple of weeks. You've been basing yourself down here in Melbourne and, and riding with the riding group with Ross. Is that what you're going to do once you get back from Perth? Or are you going to base yourselves up in uh, New South Wales again? Yeah, I've, I've been trying to work it out with Ross. He's also flat out, as you know. So, But like when, when I get back from Perth, I got like the, there's a race in Sydney the weekend after, and then I think it's only like one weekend off and we're going straight to Gympie, So, Did I see you doing some, some riding with Mel Ross as well this week before? Um... Were you guys out there? Yeah. Yeah. He, he lives a couple of hours from where I do in Sydney. And 
Um, me and Reese always try and go down there when we're both around. And Hayden's got a sick setup down there. Like I'm sure he's seen some videos of it. Yeah, I hear a lot about um, it. Yeah, he's got he's got some mad tracks. So between yeah his place and Ross's, I mean, I try and spread myself out between those two places. Like Hayden's got a lot of experience and he's great to ride with. Like he's awesome to ride with. And then I go down to Ross's and pretty much get smoked by all of them every day down there. So it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, hey, mate, we just, uh, we're going to have to run at this point because we're uh, running a bit long and we've got to get another couple guests on and uh, get through the rest of these results, man. But um, just wanted to say no. thanks for, uh, I know it was a bit rushed that I sent you a text this afternoon. You said you were flying home, so I appreciate you squeezing us in. And no, um, thank you. congratulations again on the uh, awesome weekend, mate. We look forward to seeing more of it in the second half of the season. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sorry for the dodgy phone line. No, it's all good. We made it work. We've had worse. So um, <laughs> all good. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See you guys. All right. Catch you, mate. Bye. All right, Duran, Kyle Webster. That was that was a pretty good interview, actually. There's a lot of cool insights going on there. Yeah, he's a nice dude. and uh, Pretty switched on. Uh, really hard work. And I'm a, you know, a firm believer that hard work can't be denied forever. And he's proof of that it's taken him a few seasons and last year we seen that he had the you know pace to win rounds and this year he seems like he's finally put it together he in the past few seasons he hasn't had that consistency and it looks like he's cleaned up his program and he's a genuine championship contender now I think uh out of you know Wilson Todd's obviously leading the series and you know the other sort of big heavy hitter is Jay Wilson at the moment and now you've really got to put Webster in that conversation as someone who is a legitimate shot at this championship yeah I think so too like I said it's been building for a couple of years now where you you think he's on the cusp of it and becoming a regular guy on the podium and 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 vying for a championship and at this point it's safe to say I think that Kyle Webster has arrived uh at that point so it's cool to see um Talk about the rest of MX2 now, Duran. Um, we'll start off here. I've got some notes. Taking your job now with notes. But um, Bailey Malkowitz finally breaks through for a um, career overall third position and uh, probably the start of many more to come. I thought it was a second. Daniel? Second. Third. Let's, third? Let's check this out. I'm pretty sure it was third overall on, on um, Sunday. Not second overall because Aaron Tanty got third overall. Wow, I am out to lunch on that one. So, you're so sorry about here. that. Yeah, we are lucky you're here. Um, the viewers are very, the listeners are lucky you're here. <laughs> so, yeah, second but place. But Malkowitz, so he gets third in the first moto on Saturday, yeah, the, the conventional format, and then the back-to-back Sunday and ends up with that second overall. So I'll be honest, after that third on the Saturday in the opening moto, I didn't really read into it too much. I figured the track was Yeah, smooth track, smooth good and, start. And he's one of those riders, you, you often talk about his pace during the week at places like Park 4 mm. and Ride Park, and he's obviously got that sprint speed that you always talk about. So I wasn't surprised at that first motor that he got a podium. So uh, for him to, you know, come out on the second day... When the track was gnarly. Yeah, when the yeah. track was gnarly, uh, he really stepped up to the plate. And for him to get second overall, uh, it's pretty cool, especially, you know, he's a rookie in the MX2 class, and for him to get a podium in the first half of the year is pretty impressive. It's massive for his confidence. I think that's been a bit of a problem for him this first half of the season coming out of MXD and, and that junior world title. Like he hasn't, I mean, just to be honest, he hasn't really been used to getting beat much. And then you, you ride around in 10s and 12s and 9s and 6s and it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Well, he was saying on the podium that uh, the MX2 class 
it's if he gets to start, he feels like he can run up there, but he sort of stays in the same position that he starts. If he doesn't. In. So I think for him, he, yeah, he's confident and he believes himself that he can get podiums, but I don't think he's quite at that speed yet to come through the pack without that start. So. And that's fair. I talked to his dad and the team a little bit on Saturday, and they just said, yep, finally got a start. And that's where that third came from. And they were pretty confident, like you just said, if he gets them starts, he's going to stay there. Um, so hopefully that's the more the first of more to come for Bailey Malkowitz. Um Let's talk about Wilson Todd, Duran. Dramatic weekend for, for the DPH team and Wilson Todd. See, I didn't realise that he hated Murray Bridge so much. Cause well, I didn't either, but apparently he's not a fan of it. I just remember R19s, I think it was 2015, he uh, had that massive cartwheel on the rollers before the finish. And um, I guess it still haunts him that... He hasn't got the results there, but uh, for him to come I just out, remember him nearly hitting Aiden on a, a track yeah, side. Yeah, that, that was it, yeah. Is that, he's so, like, careful, Wilson. You remember that? Yeah, well, I don't remember you, you, you talking, but I remember the crash. So No, I, was, I'm saying Aiden. He had the microphone track side, and, and Wilson nearly hit him going off the track. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so... Cool story. Yeah, cool story. You got yeah. 50 bucks or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for well, him you to already come out, me 10. <laughs> so for him to come out of this weekend and, uh, yeah, it was damage control, especially with that wheel. How impressive was that, that he pulled into the uh, pits and he went and fetched the wheel himself I know, from I the like, car? That's so, like when you see Tomac comes into the pits and there's like... Can you imagine Tomac running to the cart? To running the to the trolley to pick his wheel. Like, yeah, you see him pulling in a Supercross and there's 25 Cowie technicians. They're actually getting in each other's way because there's no way that that many people can work on one dirt bike yeah but yeah uh, he comes in and he's just like bike on the stand he just takes off to the trolley and i said that on on the tv i'm just like wow he's actually going to get his own wheel but hey hats off to um i talked to piney his mechanic after the race and um he said i think we aiden and i timed it with the lap times and where he came on the track it was like a minute 10 that they got him back out on the track and piney said that what actually happened i saw the wheel it was crazy everyone on, on wilson todd's instagram would have seen it as well that the it wasn't it, you know normally the hub kind of warps or implodes or the sprocket pulls off when you break a wheel or the spokes pull out of the nipples but they run a moose um so it wasn't a flat tire the, the actual the nipples pulled out of the rim from like an impact from a square edge and the wheel just kind of folded from there and he said when they went to take the wheel off there was actually spoke nipples and that like sort of wrapped around the chain and the hub and that's why it took so long to get the wheel off well, I- a minute's not. Well, he was bummed out because I'm like, dude, you changed that wheel quick. And he said, nah, I should have had it done quicker. I was like, that was pretty impressive. I think for a situation like that, it's extremely lucky that, for one, usually if a hub or something does, uh, you know, have a problem, it, it could be not sitting centred. And sometimes you pretty much have to bash the axle out. So for him to get it changed in a minute yeah, is super impressive. And the other lucky thing is, like we just spoke with Kyle, that was in one of the back-to-back motos. And like he said, it's a little bit of a silly rule, but to have the overall after that, those first two motos, so uh, coming into that last moto, he didn't actually lose a full uh, moto. No, it, it's not like he sacrificed the whole moto. He um, still scored 17 points uh, for those first two motos. Mm. So uh, when you think about it for the championship-wise, uh, it's really lucky. Yeah, it, well, it, when it went bad, it went good. Uh, yeah. That could have been a, like a, a moto points done uh, if it was a traditional race, not the back-to-back. And if anything else with that broken wheel went a little bit a- away from what we just said, like they wouldn't have been able to change it, it would have been done. Do you think in the last moto for the weekend, if 
uh, Kyle had to. Do you reckon he could have caught him and and had to make the, if he if he had to make the pass for the overall? Do you feel like Kyle could have caught him? Because Wilson was riding pretty good in that last moto. He was, but I feel like there may have been a little bit more urgency in uh, Kyle's riding if he had to. He'd have the got the, the pit board saying, "Hey, you know, you've got the overall." It, yeah. Surely they're not saying that at this stage. You're only halfway through the series. It's still three points. Three points, but maybe Webster just thought he didn't have it, or it was too much of a risk to go after it. That's the other thing, isn't it? You know, that track was very rough in the second half of the day on Sunday. Um, but yeah, Wilson Todd did not look at home on the track. The, the opening motos of both days, you could tell quite visibly, Duran, he had pumped up and he didn't like himself. And um, yeah, I think he just struggles with that track, with that. He didn't look himself, but he still, to me, looked comfortable in his riding. He just didn't have the intensity the spark that he or, did I think that's Broadford. the first chink we've seen in his armour, right? Um, if that's his chink in his armour, he's doing pretty well. Well, this is what I said on, on NRG TV on the weekend. I said, you know, you win your championship on your bad days. That's that cliche that everyone says. And for him, you know, publicly doesn't like the track, had a back wheel explode, and he still leaves there with only, you know, half the points gone. With a really, that's his throwaway round for the year, I would say, unless there's some crazy happens. That, to me, is a sign of a, a champion right there. Um, moving on, uh, what do you think of... Jay Wilson, and now this story I've been told is by yeah. Jake. Let's get that story out there. So, so Jake Williams, and I don't know if they really want this out there, but um, I'll blame it on Jake. Uh, Kev, uh, Kevin Williams, under the promoter's son, Jake Williams. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, so I'm gonna blame it on you and everybody else. So but. I, Jay said in his podium interview that it's been a rough month and he hasn't really been riding much. And I asked Jake today what what he meant by that, and he said that packing up at Broadford, Jake cut the top of his finger off on the awning. So whether or not that's true, that is super impressive for him to come out um, with some stitches in his finger and, and get the results that he did. And I don't want to talk about that too much because we don't know and, and you sprung that on me before the show. So I, I don't think Jay would have wanted to answer it either yeah, way. He probably, probably put me foot in it, but oh well. You're good at that. Um, that's why we love you on the show. But either way, what's my thoughts on Jay Wilson? I thought it was a very impressive weekend for him other than that last moto on um, Sunday. Well, I was really thinking uh, on one of the days he was sitting behind Malkowitz and I was just thinking, what are you doing? Make the pass. But I think with the track, with the way it was... I think it was easier said than done. I mean, fastest qualifier on Saturday and I was watching him qualify and he looked on it. Like he was... You know when Jay's on it and you can just tell it's going to be a big, big time and a big weekend for him? Um, didn't always translate to the results, but, but he uh, keeps saying that this is the best start to a series he's ever had. So yeah, typically he, he always, rallies yeah, in he the second gets half. Better. So he, at the moment he's only twenty five points down. Uh, so over the next five rounds, it will be cool to see if he, I mean he's left himself some work to do. But we've seen him come in fifteen. He hit his stride second half of the season. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and you know gets some overalls because I really did expect him to. Uh, like win some rounds in the first half of the year, but I guess he always seems to be able to uh, pull it together and, and get those results at the end of the year, so I'd definitely look for that. Where, put you on the spot, does he factor in this championship at Coolum? I'm going to say yes. I think he, he always seems, he's just got that, uh, I guess, trait of trying to always get it done. And uh, when he's on, he's really fast. So uh, it sort of depends on what side of the bed he wakes up on. And he's, uh, you know, always going to be sort of there at the end of the motos. And he's a great racer. So if if that 
story about the finger is true. Uh, he definitely toughed it out over the weekend and having to have back-to-back days with something like that would have been tough as well. So for him to get through the first half of the championship with only 25 points behind, uh, I definitely... I, yeah, I guess it's I'd possible. Say. It's possible. Um, a couple other MX2 notables before we move on. Um, Caleb Byram, he got some... He was back to his old self with those hole shots and on, on round four on Saturday, he was killing it really... I can't remember the results he got, but... He had some um, really impressive laps going in and, and looked like the bottom. Where did he get in that first moto, Daniel? Did he? Third, I thought. Yeah, third, right? Okay, so, and then from what I hear, he went out at the end of the day, the second moto on Saturday. I think he broke a, a, a thumb or that thumb injury he had from Broadford. He rebroke it, I heard. I'm not sure, but I'm looking at the results on Sunday and he's not even in them, so... Yeah, whether he didn't... I can't remember if he didn't ride or he he definitely didn't factor in the results. So that that's a shame for Byron because I really like that guy and he's a cool dude and um, he's got a lot of talent and it he gets... It was nice to see him up there for one. Yeah, it was like... like the rest he just of seems like he's always pushing it uphill with, um, with his injuries and trying to get back. So it was good to see him there with some starts and some TV time, but hopefully that injury is nothing, nothing else to you know, get him back for the second half of the season. And the last thing I want to talk about real quick is Dylan Wills. Willsy, um, he ended up, I think, fourth overall on Saturday at round four. Willsy comes in. I saw him in the pits on Friday's round. He couldn't even walk. He was barely hobbling around. He had his meniscus, he reckoned, that was jammed in, in a jammed out of a, you know, where it should be. And he's going in for surgery this week, I believe, to get that meniscus shaved. And he comes out and he was saying on... Uh, on Friday, he pretty much said to me, what do you think if I just ride around on the pegs, I could get a top 10? And I said, yeah, you'd probably be good for it, maybe around there. And he went out and, and had a, his best day of the season. How does that work? I, I Well, I'm not a doctor, once again. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm going to give some medical advice. I don't think, from what I've heard, that injury that he has, he'll be walking out of hospital uh, tomorrow. So it's not that big of a deal. All they do is go in and they chop a little bit of the mystics out. Not so much the, the surgery, but... You should have seen him trying to walk on Friday, man. Like, he wasn't putting it on. He was in a bad way. Well, it didn't seem to affect his riding, so maybe um, you should have gone and kicked him in his leg and <laughs> see if he was putting it on or not because it obviously didn't affect his riding. We've seen him the, uh, put in the best results he has all year. And uh, I think from memory, Todd Waters has had that exact surgery. So uh, oh, It's definitely not uncommon with Moto, but um, here's my theory on it, and, and I'll leave it at this for Willsey. I said it on NIGTV as well. He has a lot of talent. He's a skilled rider, and I think he puts himself under a lot of pressure when he has rides or when he's trying to get a ride. He's always been that guy on the bubble with results, and we spoke about that before. What he's doing has been great, but it's not really enough to land him like a, a high-paying gig to really go further in his career, right? But when those injuries happen or you get sick and you go to the races, it kind of takes the pressure off, right? I guess that's true, and but in saying that, he has stepped up to the plate and, and got really good results while he has been on teams. Mm. Uh, just maybe not quite enough to... Just not consistently back. enough. So he got penalised and... Did that stick? Because I know when we left the track, they were still reviewing to go to the airport we left and they were still I reviewing saw it. going into the second turn, he collected a rear wheel and got off balance. Yeah, he hit... Um, whose rear wheel did he hit? I, I think it was KDM maybe. Was, but anyway, so he went off the track there and... If that was what the penalty was for, I didn't think it really was justified. Warranted. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I feel like we just need a slip of Valium into some of the uh, officials' coffees in the morning. Because <laughs> don't you don't you feel like uh, in a racing situation, first turn uh, to collect a rear wheel, pretty easy what Willsy did, and he obviously didn't mean to 
go off the track and that really affects your championship points. I do, but I do also understand the bigger picture that if they start getting lenient, that's when guys start taking advantage of it. So you've heard Kev Williams talk about it before, say with the mud race at Appen. And oh, that was on another level. Yeah, it was. And like people can say what they want, like, oh, you know, I work for the series. I'm not defending it. It's, you know, I get it from a racer's point of view. Like, Wilsey was pissed, like, after that uh, penalty. Like, I seen him in the pits on Sunday afternoon and he was not happy about it. But at the same time, is like we don't have the infields of MXGP or of AMA where there's signage everywhere and you can't cut the track. Our tracks are a lot smaller and they're a lot less marked. And, you know, um, you know, these guys are going for money. They're going for their careers. If they start getting lenient on that stuff, you're going to see guys cutting tracks left and right. I mean, you hear about it in the AORC and people cutting tracks on the off-road where they can't really police it that well. Um I don't know. I, 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 it's a thankless situation to be an official in that, that whole deal, right? Well, it can't be you know, nice for them to be handing out penalties all the time. I don't think they enjoy it. Yeah, I, that's I mean, Cloudy's, Cloudy's got the red plate and he's had two motos at one round with I penalties. I thought you were going to say Cloudy's got the red plate with the amount of penalties he's got. No, no. They should have their own championship <laughs> for that. He'd be cleaning up easily. <laughs> have a separate point steal for how many they've lost. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting because they seem to hand out the penalties quite often in Australian motocross, which it may be warranted, but it just seems like there is a lot. Yeah. Maybe we've just got a lot of cheaters in the field. Maybe that's just what's going on. What's your thoughts, Daniel? Oh, if I was Whitey Davey or anyone in that Davey team, I'd be going to kick wheels in the leg every week because if that knee was bad, he had his best result. So maybe he needs to be hurt more often. I don't know. <laughs> we weren't talking about that, though. We were talking about the penalties. What What do you think on the penalties? Is it? But you see it on it. I mean, the, the officials actually come to the NIG TV rig to review the tape if we get it on, on film. So it's not like, Duran, they take it lightly. Like, they don't just go, oh, penalty. Oh, no, we don't even need no, penalty. Like, they they do do, gil- do diligence on, on the appeal and the system... Uh, we should probably get Hancock on here at some yeah, point. Mark Hancock was yeah. straight over to the trailer after that. Yeah, it'd be me. it'd be cool to get Hancock on here and give the listeners an actual breakdown on the steps because that's what I'm saying. We travel with those guys every weekend, and I know they're not just doing it for fun. Like they have a system, and if you break it, you get a penalty. Um, but yeah, we got to get Brody Ellis on the phone here in a second. But um, maybe that's something we can cover uh, later on, Duran, and and you can argue with the officials over the the podcast. Uh, one more rider that I wanted to talk about, and I try not to All right, talk. Got to make this quick. Okay. Yeah. Well, doesn't matter. No. Okay. Go. So uh, one rider is Jai Constantino. Oh, Jai, he had a really good round. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I was actually cycling with him today, and uh, he's still on a nugget of a bike. It's uh, just a complete standard bike, no ignition or anything. So for him in this second half of the year, he's going to get a motor and. Uh, I really think he'll be... Well, he didn't even race the the, the round before. He had that knee injury. Yeah, Yeah. so... uh, Where do you get in that... uh, It was ninth overall on... Eighth overall. Eighth overall. Tenth overall, I think. That's a solid weekend for Jai. I mean, he's a kid that... uh, He's always had a lot of potential. Finally just starting to figure it out. But, um, all right, guys. That's a wrap on MX2. Now, we've got... um, MXD coming up, and sometimes we get guests for MXD, and I decided to do that this week. Brody Ellis had a really standout round on Saturday. Maybe not the overall he would have wanted, but a solid second and a whole heap of TV time in that opening motor on Saturday. So, Brody, thanks for staying up late, mate, and thanks for coming on the show. How you doing? Nah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. I know you work. You work pretty. So, 
let's start with that. You flew home Monday morning this morning and you went to work, right? Yeah, so back back to work uh, this morning. And then I got to work about 8.30, so yeah, another yeah. day. And then I'm keeping you up late at night. Sorry about that. No, that's all good. <laughs> so uh, you're obviously, for the listeners that don't know, Brody's from Tasmania, so you're about as far away from every round as you can get other than WA. Um, so what's your travel schedule look like coming from out of there? Well, I normally got to take a Friday off work, so I've got to, got to have the overtime built up so I can take a day or two off here and there when I need to and get to the races on the Saturday. Normally takes two two flights to well, unless I'm going to Victoria, but yeah, yeah, and then you fly back either Sunday night or first thing Monday morning and get back into yeah, it. Yeah, first thing Monday, first thing Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about that first moto. Um, you know, really, it was it was an interesting riders, and you were in second, and you keep having uh, you kept having riders mount an attack on you, <laughs> and you managed yeah. to pull it off. Whether it was Duffy or who else were you battling with in that moto? Sorry. Um, uh, Bud, yeah, Reese Bud too, and yep. um, and yeah, you, you held strong, man. That was uh, a pretty good ride. How, how was it? Yeah, it was good. I, f- I finally got a start that I really, really needed. So it was good to lead. I think I led four, five, maybe four or five laps. So yeah, yeah. And then I actually ran off the track in the second turn, and and then before I knew it, they were right on, right on my ass. So. Yeah, so that's one thing um, that we didn't see on NLG TV is that you went off the yeah. track and then, um, thanks, Daniel. And then when, uh, when I guess you came back on, we saw those guys were catching you. It must have took you out of your rhythm because they caught you the rest of that lap. They were on you pretty much. Yeah, it took me a couple laps to you know find my feet and get back into the to the rhythm. But before that, I felt good. I was just doing my own thing, just get my laps in. So it was good. Yeah, you um you found that rhythm again. I mean, like I said, you managed to hold on for for second place, and um, with the amount of pressure you had, I thought that was really, really impressive. And um, I got to be you know straight up with uh, with the listeners and with yourself, Brody. Like I had you picked. You know, this is is this year three for you now in MXD? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I had you picked honestly as as one of my title picks. Um, you know, yeah. you've you've been growing for a lot of years as a rider and. And yeah, you know, it sort of hasn't come together at the start of the season for you like maybe I thought it would have or yourself. But at the same time, um, you know, we had a chat on Friday and you just said that you've probably been putting a little bit too much pressure on yourself trying to yeah. to, to get starts and, and probably not being fully in the moment or whatever. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just about having fun on my bike, really. It's just going out there, put too much pressure on myself, you're not going to get the results. So, yeah. so I've just been trying to relax and... If I get a good start, I've I've got confidence that I can run up front. So, I mean, MXD is pretty gnarly this year. There's a lot of fast guys. Yeah, there is like there's like ten people that can win. So, as long as you're up the front or the pointy end, I think yeah, you can sort of start the front there and just put good laps in. And yeah. So let's talk about um, switching things up. I mean, you just missed the podium overall at round four, um, yeah. unfortunately. And then where did, where did you end up round five on Sunday? Uh, I ended up fourth overall again. Oh, wow. Okay, so two fourths. So, fourth, so <laughs> you just missed yeah. that bonus money. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, you know, switching things up a bit, obviously you're from Tasmania um, and – you know, I've spent some time with you and your family down there over the years. I used to come down and do some coaching schools down there with Brody Jennings and I stay with you guys yep. and, 
you know, you guys have got a killer set up with the, you know, you got that track at the house and, um, yeah, and you pretty much do your own thing down there. Uh, you know, there's a good motocross scene down there, but for the most part, you guys are pretty isolated. Um, I guess that works for you. How, how, you know, you, you have some trips up to Melbourne. I know you stayed up here, I think a couple of weeks ago and raced the state titles here, but, um, yeah, I guess to get the listeners insight as to how is it, you know, being on an island down there and, and doing your own deal in between rounds. Yeah, so I'm yeah I'm in Tassie, so I just I've got a track in my backyard. So as soon as I get home from work, I'm on the bike or whatever sort of train I'm doing. But yeah, I'll do my riding at night, and yeah, I normally have I normally have a few rides to ride with. But unfortunately, this year I've my main training partner is sort of injured, so yeah, that, that's really human care, right? Yeah, we did do a lot of riding last year, so that was good. Um, so I've been just yeah riding by myself this year, just doing my own thing, and yeah, it's been good. So, um, do you is it an advantage? Is it a disadvantage? Like a lot of guys end up moving to Melbourne or Queensland to to be in that sort of hub of tracks and training and whatnot, and and obviously you've elected to stay down there and and work and do your own deal is it is it something you thought about moving or or you know what's the logic there yeah I'd, honestly i'd love to but you know like when i went over, I, I come over for a week or two over easter and just riding with all them guys it's yeah, it's yeah you were hitting up the ride parks and, awesome. and uh, all the tracks in melbourne hey yeah i did a heap of riding over there so it was good just riding with all them guys and uh went and raced the swan hill vicks so yeah, just so much fun over there. Well, maybe we get to see you up here a little bit more over the next couple of years, mate. And um, I guess so. Here's the thing now. You know, obviously MXD is going to be coming to an end for you at the end of the season. Um, where are yeah. you sitting in the championship right now? Uh, I've moved up to fourth. Right, so fourth. Um, really, you know, you're going to want a podium that championship, but to finish up your MXD career. And what's the plans from there? Have you put much thought to it? Where are you going to go after that? Well, I'd like to do Supercross, so... Yeah, because you haven't done that, that yet, goes. have you? I know you spent some time on a Supercross track last year when we were talking. Yeah, I did do... I did um, sort of fill in for WBR last year. I did a round at Geelong. Oh, that's right. So did you qualify at Geelong? I just missed out, Hugh, actually. Just oh, Hugh, Hugh passed in the last turn. That's right. Yeah. Did he punt you off the track as well? Nah, I sort of come together with another rider and sort of fumbled a bit, and then Hugh just, yeah snuck it up the inside of me yeah that's right that that and then you guys had to both right. go back to the truck i remember that that would have been really yeah good. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah okay yeah. so supercross is on the cards for you that'll be fun yeah i'll definitely definitely do the melbourne ones but yeah we'll see how we go with the other rounds yeah i think everyone wants to do melbourne but i mean you kind of get some help with the wbr team anyway as far as logistics they take your bike around and stuff right yeah that's right so they've been helping me uh this year so far and it's yeah massive help so wouldn't be able to do it without them. No, it's a good program that you got going on there between um, Yamaha supporting you and the Witten brothers with the WBR team, and, and you get some help from Bulk Nutrients because they're based in Tassie as well, right? Yeah, so they've been helping me out with all supplements and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ben's even got a track down at his place. It's like three hours from my house, so I even do some riding down there. It's good. Nice, nice. Well, um, it's a nice part of the world you are there. I mean, we were at Penguin last year for the Junior Aussies. I know that's not super close to your house, but um, it's on that same side of Tasmania, so to speak. Um, must yeah. be something in the water down there, man. I mean, you got the you got Jed Beaton come out of there. You got yourself. Um, 
Who are some of the other notables from Tassie? I mean, I know Brody Jennings was yeah, fast back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Yeah, Jennings. Um, yeah, and Wade. McKay, Wade. Oh, yeah. Whatever yeah. happened to Wade? Where did he go? Um, Is it that injury he had, right? Yeah, I think it's got a bit to do with that injury, but he's he's still got a bike. He does do a riding a little bit, but, you know, nothing like what he was. Yeah, he was, man, he was killing it that year in MXD. Yeah, he's working now. Oh, uh, the old working deal. Yeah. Yeah, it'll get you. That's it. Um, yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, we actually run a bit long on the show tonight, Brody, but I, I just wanted to make some time to get you on. So um, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for coming for on, mate. And, uh, you know, fourth overall on both rounds of MXD on the weekend. You missed the podium, but I think that second in Moto 1 was, was a really good job. And, and uh, fourth in the championship. Hopefully we can see you get onto that podium some more, mate. And um, That's it. we'll get you on later in the year. So, uh, Brody Ellis, thanks for coming on, man. Talk soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. All right. See you, mate. See ya. All right, Duran. And um, I know MXD isn't your specialty, um, but it was like Purvis, Duffy, Ellis fact into that first moto, but it's kind of becoming the Purvis and Duffy show at this point. It seems to be that way. I'm looking at the results now, and uh, it seems to be a two-horse race with Purvis and, and Duffy, and there's only 17 points separa- separating those two guys. So, uh, I guess it would have been disappointing Sunday for Reese Bud not to podium. Yeah, Bud, and I actually messaged Bud tonight to get him on the show because I felt like he, we haven't got him on yet. We haven't got a lot of MXD guys on yet, but I guess he flew home with um, Webster. So he said they'd be landing at the same time, so logistically that didn't work. But we will get Reese Bud on the show soon because, man, he's been killing it. He's been so consistent and really cool to see him step up. Um, but he doesn't quite have the speed of Purvis and Duffy when they're on. And the other one was Mason Rowe, uh, not the most consistent rider in the class, but he, uh, you know, did get that podium on the Sunday. And, and he did. He had a podium and he had sunglasses on. Oh, he did? He did. No no cornrow braids like last year, but he had sunnies on. What's your opinion on that? Do you think he's a wanker or? <laughs> <laughs> look, it is what it is, man. I mean. I, I wouldn't know what he looks like for a bar of soap, but. Um, look, the one thing I will say is everyone motocross is boring dude there's no personalities and you'd hope that they are good expensive sunnies yeah you'd hope so i mean the end of the day if he's trying to do something different good on him like it is what it is but um yeah road road good and um you know i want to talk about purvis a little bit because purvis both motos both days whole shots moto one and pretty much checks out uh i think that's right is that right donnell he went. I make these statements and then I kind of question it because I watch so went many one, races. One, two, one, three for the weekend. I watched just as many as you on four different. Yeah, screens, but you so. have a better memory than me somehow. So Purvis went one, two, one, three for the weekend. There you go. So basically, what I'm getting at is Moto One starts nailed, wins the Moto, beats Duffy. That's a big deal because Duffy's times when he's on is putting him in the top end of MX2 as far as uh, you know those times he's running. Moto 2 each day, he's like the kid's asleep. He can't get out of the gate. I don't know what it is, but Moto 2 just doesn't seem to work out for him. Maybe it's just a concentration thing. Uh, I did sit around and, and watch all the motos on the weekend apart from uh, MXD and, and the women's, so I can't really comment on on it too much, but uh, it does seem like that concentration towards the end of the motos kind of does waver a little bit with Purvis. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he's, he's a pretty loose character as far as... Um the mullet, the riding style, like he does, uh, not conventional. Um, I guess if Mason Rowe was the cool guy of MXD, 
then Purvis is probably the opposite of that. Like he left the track on Sunday night. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> no, no, let me finish. He left the track Sunday. He had his team jacket on, trackies and, um, and gun boots. Oh, just on the, on the Saturday with Purvis, how late he was breaking coming back after that section with the rollers. Yeah, that he was... He was the fastest person on the entire track, especially in that section. Yeah, that was impressive. How many passes did he make in a row? It was like three laps when three he was cutting through row. the traffic. Yeah, and three laps in a row. It kind of stalled out when he got to the higher level guys because he just couldn't carry that excess speed. It was like what Ferris tried on Clout, but... Um, yeah, it didn't go as well for it Ferris. It didn't work for Ferris, no. But uh, nah, Purvis... And I just... Unfortunately for Purvis, I don't see him challenging Duffy uh, Duran for the championship just because it's too hot and cold. Yeah, I think over the course of the championship, Duffy's going to be the guy he's pulled out. I know it's only 17 points, but uh, to make that up when you're Purvis and you haven't been as consistent, uh, he's definitely going to have to turn it around if he's got any shot at this. Is he a bit like a Tomac in that sense where he's good days are good? <laughs> no, but no, no, Tomac, are you no. for real? On the good days, on the good days, he's the fastest person on track in that class. And on his bad days, there's no damage control. Like it's yeah, it's, it's either good first, or bad. Yeah, it's yeah. first or eighth. Um, I mean that that is a pretty dramatic comparison, but I get what you're going with it. Yeah, um, for sure, it, it's there. Look, I might be wrong. All right, I'll say one wrong thing. Duran's got about eight thousand. So yeah, you know. Duran, we're keeping score. You're still way ahead on that one. But um, no, I think I'd like to see Purvis figure it out. I don't want it to sound like what do they say on Pulp, where it's the shit on Shane show or whatever it is. It's not like we're doing that to Purvis today. But um, yeah, he he's it just sounds like it. it. It does sound like it. But I just I know he's got the speed. He's just got to figure out the consistency, right? I guess. Um. But yeah, MXD, you know, um, Purvis with the, you know, winning both motos start of the day, not winning the second motos, Duffy doing the opposite, basically. We've got to give a shout out to Mason Simmons. He had a massive crash in that second moto on Sunday at the end of the rollers. Uh, and he, I mean, you, you know, Duran, you've ridden that Murray Bridge track. That's a fast set of rollers going the old way. And then now when it's going the reverse, they have the run up to those rollers after the finish. And he, he got swapped towards the end and went down at the end and he was out cold for two minutes, I think. So the roll is after the finish, not after the start. All right, so yeah, yeah, you know where the rollers were before the finish on the yep. conventional way? So obviously now they're just after the finish. And you know, like uh, when the track's going the conventional way, you finish the rollers and there's like 50 metres of flat track before yeah. the turn. Well, now you've got that run into those rollers. Well, Cloud also had a moment there. Dude, Cloud had so many moments through that section, like... But he made it work. He actually made the pass when he got sideways. What was scaring me about Clout, and and I know we're on MXD right now, but I'll talk about it. Like, a lot of the guys were wheel tapping, like, the second, getting into the third, wheel tapping again and kind of blobbing out. Clout was coming in, like, front end heavy, like he was running a set of stadium whoops. And every lap, he would go so fast through there. And then he'd unload off the last roller and land in the square edges before that little rise. And every lap, his bike would either slide and then stand him up or it would just get mad squirrely. But it's like he didn't even register it was getting sketchy for him. I always question when a motocross track, and it's always good, I always enjoy it, uh, a whoop section, but for it to have Didn't sort you of, rupture your spleen and break No, that ribs was on it. the uh, other set. The, so but it was rollers. Them. But you enjoy rollers. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We all make mistakes. It's true. Um but yeah, uh, so I always question that because you are hitting a set of, I guess, whoops like that. They're nothing like supercross whoops, but also they're almost not a motocross obstacle. Uh, and then we seem to 
by the end of the day, they're square edgy and you're hitting a set of warts like that with motocross suspension. It's sort of and you to, know, a questionable ob- yeah. obstacle on a motocross track. To add to that, like speaking to some of the riders and speaking to some of the teams, um, they speak of, you know, I had one mechanic say to me, you could pretty much run a trail bike setup around here and it would be good as far as how square edgy and gnarly it was. And you've got that roller section and you've got that rhythm section over the back where they were going two, three in the rollers. And if you want to talk about that for a minute, like you would have seen it on the NRG TV, Duran, like they're doubling in fourth gear wide and they've got to hit that little pocket where the ruts are and the soft sand and triple. And that was like probably 50 feet, that triple in the middle. Well, the, the year that uh, those whoops out the back seemed to work the most was when they were a little bit smaller and you really had to force your rear wheel down in them and you weren't uh, exactly jumping. I think you would everyone would remember that uh, crash Wade Hunter Man, had. Man, 2015. They were a bit ridiculous that year. That was like a super crop. Like, they were so peaked. I actually really enjoyed it because I got the section down quite easily. But you were going 3-3? Three, three? Yeah. yeah. And even at the end of the day, we walked the track and uh, I was just like, how the hell was that working? Because it was so chewed out. There was a massive kicker coming in and the room for error wasn't the you know greatest. And, and you saw what could happen with just a little bit of a stuff up with a Hunter. So uh, it seems like some years, Murray Ridge, uh, the track prep, uh, goes yep. a little bit out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember getting there in 15 and we drove around on the on the mule looking at the track and I was like, this is... I remember... Like, if this was on a supercross track, it wouldn't have been out of the out of the blue for that rhythm to be out of a turn. Yeah, it was kind of... Yeah, I remember walking and going, surely... And let's not forget, gonna like... Up, they're going to be knocked down and they weren't. And then we had That's when Evans, Evans got really hurt. Joel Evans nearly got paralysed. You know what's crazy, dude, is that I, I was walking down the hill to watch summer practice uh, that, that day and I seen that crash that Hunter had was just behind Evans. Like, it was the same lap on the, and they were in the section at the same time. And... Yeah, that was one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen. Evans' crash was horrible, and then Hunter was just getting huck-a-buck freestyle off the front of the bike, kiss of death. He was so good that year too. He he was, I think, what fourth in the championship, if I remember. Yeah, I, I miss Hunter being around. He was he was cool. Um, but yeah, and going back to that set before the uh, finish, well, after the finish. Now um, it's funny that out was having quite a few moments. I only saw that one moment, but he actually crashed in that section in, it was in either 14, 14 or and hurt his wrist. I don't know if he broke his wrist that day, but he finished the day. And When uh, he was riding for Serco. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I seen that whole thing as well, and um, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen because I'm pretty sure that day he was either unconscious yeah, yeah. or he was riding with his eyes open, but there was no one there because, dude, he got up, his helmet was smashed, and I think that he knew he had to get back on because if he got uh, race safe got to him, it would have been all over. And I seen him right off and I was just kind of chuckling like, man, <laughs> you earned that one because he probably shouldn't have got up. And I think back then, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, they were an answer helmets. And I don't <laughs> want to be the dude that says it, but you might as well wear a freaking ice cream bucket. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he hit the ground hard that day. That was... True. I mean, yeah, you had, but he ain't afraid. He's not afraid, and that's Cloud's gnarly. He really is. Yeah. Um, but getting back to MXD, yeah, Simmons, he's fine, 
Um, he's, fine. he's fine. I saw his dad at the airport. That's really good to hear for so for him. He's you know had a really bad run of injuries and yeah, uh, that's what scared me. Sometimes as soon really as we good. knew it was him, I was like, oh man, another injury. But he just he was out, but he remembered everything. I guess he was just unconscious, having a nap and uh, bruised his lungs. But pretty sure he'll be back for the second half of the season, which is good. Um, Jai Walker had a couple of good uh, laps we saw on the show and MXD as well. So shout out to him. He had a, a pretty good ride there on the two stroke. And honestly, we've gone pretty long there. I think we're at two hours and 11 minutes, Duran. So, um, yeah, with some hip-hop and with some guests and flights and that, we made it work. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's a wrap. All right, let's finish on it. So here's the go. Um, Like I said to you last week, we're going to be putting out weekly content. And after – I'm not going to say after this week because I can't promise that right now. We've all – mid-season, I'm on crazy busy coaching and – and traveling to the races, but I want to start building some segments in and, and having some structure to as far as, you know, um, you know, the big radio shows and motocross that we talk about that have cool sections and segments in them. Well, maybe we try and do that. Maybe we're not. If you don't like it, well, let us know. But um, we're going to do a little section of finish. And it's because uh, this was what inspired me. Duran's thumbs swipe left and right a lot during the show. I, I actually don't even have Tinder. Okay. So. It's... You know, might be grinder then. That's more your thing, <laughs> is it? Or <laughs> um, so when he's swiping away, I was like, "How can we incorporate that into the show?" So we're going to call this segment. Um, it's going to be called "Swiping Right with Banger." <laughs> All right. And what we're going to do is, uh, it's not about whether he likes the the rider or not. Um, I still think this is way homo. Yeah, but I got to explain it. So it's not about swiping in a in a sexual manner that you find the rider attractive. It is about um, <laughs> whether you rate their performance on the weekend or not. Does that make sense? I guess, but I still feel like the name of the segment makes me feel like a bit of a yeah. Well, politically all right. correct. I can't say it. Yeah, you probably can't say it. But um, you, you're picking now to be politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe After seven episodes of the show. This is where you draw the line. And I feel like at two hours and twelve minutes, maybe people don't hear this anyway. Well, I I, I think I the first time I ever like really stopped myself was when you asked about the uh, the money situation at CDR, uh, and I you could have gone a lot further there. Well, I feel like uh, Yamaha bonuses. It's like. From what you hear on the street, it's ten grand for a win. So, mm-hmm. although pathetic compared to America and, and places like that, I'd still be walking straight to the bank after. Yeah, I wouldn't mind ten grand a weekend. Yeah, that well, if you go off the same thing, I, Honda's probably a little bit smaller for the uh, uh, two fifty class, but Webster just went one one. So yeah, it's a, a but it's a nice payday. For Whether a Honda or not pays it, they never paid my bonus for Sydney. So oh, putting that out there, <laughs> <laughs> probably politically correct. <laughs> Yeah, politically um, correct going to that Sydney interview you had with Hoags that was uh, to be honest so I have like a lot of people come up and speak to me about that I had no idea that was for TV yeah, really? <laughs> and, and the funny thing was so what people talk about is uh, I, I said I guess you Eve lost my number and and the funny thing was the very next weekend I'm like good friends with Eve. I stayed in his hotel and everyone thinks that I hate Eve. But it's not like that at all. <laughs> it was, just really it was good a little fun. bit of a dig because that year I was actually meant to be on the Honda team and uh, I had a little bit of a disagreement uh, with Yurive. Uh He wanted me to wear an ice cream bucket for a helmet and he lets the American riders wear a shoey. And I said, uh, pretty much go stuff your ride. Um, I want to wear a good helmet and it didn't happen. 
So we had already discussed me writing for the team and, and it was a little bit... It was just a bit joke. of a dig, yeah. And then everyone thinks And that, it went out on live TV. Yeah, I didn't know that it was yeah. for live TV. The mullet was in good form. That mullet, that, that, that was, was gnarly that year. It was, but it also... <laughs> I pretty much didn't get one route that whole year, so I uh, had to cut it off. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You did look like um, My Name is Earl. No, uh, Joe Dirt. It just it was a, a practical joke to begin with, and then and then you feel the pressure. Didn't you die at pink at one point? That was fifteen for the. That was because uh, uh, breast Toowoomba, cancer awareness. Yeah, yeah. Toowoomba the weekend before. Um, Neil Wilson is a shame that they don't have the team anymore because that was a pretty cool environment. Yeah, you wrote for those guys. Hey? Yeah, yeah. I, he he said to me, I said, if I dye my hair, will you donate a thousand bucks to breast cancer uh, for the. Uh, race the next weekend and he said yes and he, he thought I wouldn't do it and so I showed up with pink hair and he had to donate the thousand bucks yeah I remember that that was uh, there was a picture of you like full of mud roost and pink mullet floating around and yeah that was gnarly um, but let's get this segment done um, we also forgot to touch on the WMX class um, but we'll give the, the rundown real quick on the results it was uh, Rutledge ran away with it Maddie Brown and Jess Moore were battling pretty much for second and third overall each day. Uh, Emma Milesevic factored in there, but it, it was cool to see the, the WMX class at uh, the MX How Nationals How was their lap times compared to the MX Honestly, two? I'm not going to lie, I didn't really look, but Rutledge honestly looked like she was cruising. 150, Rutledge pulled best lap. Okay, so... That yeah, 10 seconds. Yeah, the, your average MX2 guys outside the top 10 would have been mid-40s, low-40s, so that's not bad, really. Um, anyway, let's get back to this segment because I'm, I'm, I want to try and build this in. So if you... Yeah, maybe it is kind of gay, huh? It is definitely gay. This is what I'm saying. I'm not swiping right on any dude. I don't swipe right to begin with, uh, even though <laughs> just like, it is a statistics game. The more you swipe right, the more... <laughs> not that I would know anything. Yeah, but. right. All right, how about this? You just say um, it was... What What did you say for Ferris? It was going to be a failure if he didn't... Yeah. Do you think it was a failure his weekend? All right, that's what I'm saying. So just say success or failure when I give you a writer's name. Okay. All right, Ferris. Well, I've got to stick to my word. No, 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 no. Be a failure. All right, one word. That's all you get. Failure. Okay. I feel like an absolute asshole. You get used to it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, I guess it's success. He's got his first podium. Okay. Um, Gibbs. Oh, that's not a failure. That's a freaking <laughs> disaster. Um, Rod Bell. That's got to be excess. Success. I can't say the freaking word success. It's, yeah. Success, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess what did he end up on the weekend? He was, he's fourth in the it's championship It's just now. one answer, man. It's success. A, yeah. Um, Rikers. You're just picking all the ones that are... They're, they're on my notes in front of me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, success. Wilson Todd. I think for how crappy of a weekend he had he it was a success he's come out with even though his points lead got halved he's still i guess if that's his bad round that's his bad round nathan crawford oh that's a someone to talk about that we didn't so he even podiumed was it in the last moto of the weekend uh, yeah but, he was back on it on that final moto but something's going on there and it was it's funny that you bring him up because uh, I don't want to talk about it too much, but cycling with Jai today, Jai Constantino, he said that in one of the motors, it may be in the opening moto, uh, Crawford passed him, and then uh, uh, he got caught up with some riders, and, and Jai actually passed him back. And then for the next few laps, Crawford was yelling at him in the corners, and then Jai eventually dropped him. So I guess it was a bit of a, uh, 
uh, win for Yeah, I think that, that injury he's carried is... It's got to be frustrating. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. It's got to be frustrating for him to be riding back with riders like uh, Jai and all that where he would feel that he's obviously a lot better. Normally he's winning races. And, and yeah. so for him to consistently not be up there yet, it's got to be a little bit of a bummer. And um, But in saying that, he is a rider that I would expect to uh, get some round wins towards the end of the year. This segment's kind of gone off the rails. I think we need to think about this a little bit more next time. Bigger failure, Ferris's weekend. This segment, like, they're pretty on par. Mm, I'd say this segment failed a lot more than Ferris it did. definitely did. Yeah. But the Quagmire sample was good. I can play that again. Do that again, like yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, let's run with that. Um, all right, this, this show's gone way too long. Two hours and 20 minutes, probably the longest one we've done. Let's leave it at that, Duran. Thanks for coming in tonight, mate. And um, like I said, guys, we're going to have... Uh, some more content coming out. You're going to get some one-on-one interviews in depth done over the mid-season break. We're going to come out with some weekly shows, weekly content. So keep sharing it. Keep following it. Please keep messaging us, letting us know that you're enjoying what we're doing. If you hate it, let us know why. And, um, you know, get it out there. Tell your friends. This is free entertainment right now, guys. And uh, we all go out of our pretty busy schedule to get it out to you every week. So the least, um, all we want in return is for you to spread the word. Get it out there. And a lot of you guys in the pits coming up to me and enjoying it. But uh, please get everyone on it. Subscribe, share, get it out on Insta, do what you got to do. Um, tell Duran he says wrong things. And um, thanks, Donnell, for being here again. And Donnell's really the guy you got to thank because after we finish this show at whatever time it is, what time is it right now? It's 10 p.m. on a Monday night. He has to drive home and process the audio files and get them uploaded for the next morning for you guys. So um, Donnell's really the guy that does the hard work. I'm just a talent and uh, Duran's just the crazy one. So. He edited last week all the inappropriate content. I said he edited it very well. You couldn't even tell. Well, I need to get a shot collar for you because some of the stuff you come out with sometimes I'm is... I'm going to have to edit tonight. You reckon? Oh, something's got to come out. Something's got to come out. Nah, we, the only thing we edited out last week was the fact that there was another minute or two minutes of downtime when we were having that laughing <laughs> fit that there was dead air that we couldn't put out there because people would have just gone, what is wrong with these retards? There was but a full four minutes of silence of just laughter. Yeah, there you go. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. And like I said, we'll be back next week with another Inside Dirt show. Keep the love coming and share it and um, everything else. And we will catch you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Yeah.